you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Shockingly, it is. Uh, eh? To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And this episode is supported by our spectacular and up patron, Bo Harper. What up, Bo? And we did, in fact, have some Word Snappers words last time we recorded. I wonder if you found them. (laughs) They were awkwardly done, so maybe. (laughs) I think they were, I think it was pretty well done, actually. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Okay, I think that I'm awesome. How about that? Is that enough credit? Cool. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you didn't figure out what they were, uh, 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 anyway, here's what they were. <laughs> <laughs> Submitted by Spider Girl Gemma Nicole. The word snappers words from last time were remake Spider Man Unlimited favorite show. <laughs> that was hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought you just believed that though. <laughs> I will say, I think out of all the shows that we're going to be doing eventually on this podcast, yeah, that's actually the one that I'm most excited to revisit. Because it's just so weird. Did you ever watch it when it was on? I I feel like my brain is saying yes, but there's no part of my memory that is like backing that up. Yeah, it's well, it didn't run very long, and it. I mean, I didn't like it much when it was on, but I feel like I might like it now because hmm. it's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> and like just an unnecessary Spider-Man show, like in every sense sure. of the word, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah. be fascinated to. To do that. Hmm. Don't want them to remake it, though. I think there's way, way more other things to be done with Spider-Man other than remaking Spider-Man. What? It doesn't deserve a second chance? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I heard my, my coaster crashing like when we were talking about that, so I feel like that's a sign. It's a sign. I guess we're not remaking it. <laughs> we're not. We're not. <laughs> we'll just, we'll work with what we've got. We've, we've got some high quality stuff that we're working with at the moment, so we'll stick. we'll stick with that. Yeah, for, <laughs> specifically, <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man, yes. which is a very good show, a very uh, good Spider-Man show, very good, a good show Spider-Man in general. Show. Yes. Oh, man, I'm so excited to be, I'm like, every time, I've been like, not that I haven't been pumped for our podcast ever before, but I've been so much like more 
pumped every time we record an episode since we've been doing Spectacular Spider-Man. Well, I feel like there's a difference between like being pumped to do a podcast and then being specifically pumped to talk about whatever it is you're talking about because you're confident that there's like a lot there, you know? Yeah. Like each time with Amazing Friends, I was like excited to podcast because I knew it was going to be fun. But like with these episodes, as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about that. Oh my gosh, I can't wait until we get into this. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And even in like these episodes, I feel like are maybe comparatively a little weaker than like the last two that we did to me. But even with that said, there's still so much to talk about in them that I'm excited to get into. So yeah. Woo. Well, all right. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, we've got two episodes. If you want to follow along with us, these episodes are streaming for free on Crackle.com. So Sony or rather Sony Crackle.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also available for digital purchase on most platforms and also on series DVD and Blu-ray sets. So pretty easy to access these episodes. Um, we're doing two today. The first one we're starting off with is the Spectacular Spider-Man Season 1 Episode 4 Market Forces. The synopsis for this one per IMDB is, while Peter takes on the responsibility of helping Aunt May pay the bills, Montana, one of Big Man's enforcers, becomes the stunning shocker to fulfill his responsibility, eliminating Spider-Man. Yo, I now fully understand why you said, don't read anything, don't look at anything before watching the episode for the first time, because I opened our notes before I watched the episode and was like... He does what? Oh, no. It's, oh, man. Yeah. I was oh, like, oh, no. my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I spoiled that for you. No, 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 no. You didn't. I I, uh, I know full well that we put the synopses in here, so I don't know why I was on the notes before I watched it. But, yeah, I'm – I you know, I, I think we'll probably dissect it more once we get into the episode itself. But, like, wow, that was that was a shock. Dare I say? <laughs> <But I'm>, <laughs> yeah. Wow, I feel like that pun's going to come up a lot on this episode. <laughs> I, I think it will. <laughs> yeah. No, it is, it is fascinating. I wish I remembered, like, when I watched this, like, how much I knew of each episode coming up in the first yeah. in the first season. Because I really do not remember if I knew going into it that Montana was going to be Shocker or not. Or if I found out watching the episode. Like, I really don't remember, which is, is, is weird to me. The fact that I don't remember leads me to believe that, like, it was in the description and I saw it ahead of time. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I would have been shocked <laughs> watching well, it live. You know, maybe though, because here's the thing. I'm glad that I saw this synopsis before seeing anything beyond this because and some of this is is hindsight, but knowing it ahead of time and then seeing how it played out, I don't really feel like I missed out on an experience. You know, Mm, it's it's it has made me think of other potential scenarios that would surprise me moving forward, knowing that this is a thing that they did. But this specific one, I don't know that it would have stood out to me uh, on a first watch going in blind. I don't know that it's going to stand out to me as like something I regret knowing ahead of time. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I appreciate the way that it is structured and that he is the one enforcer that was left hanging as far as story goes and mm-hmm. then they did something with that but uh there there are certainly other scenarios that i am now more imaginative about as a result of this that sure. i will be sure not to allow myself um spoilage <laughs> just yeah in i guess case. If, 
I guess if this is the thing from the entire show that you get the most spoiled on, I think that's not a bad thing. Because yeah. <laughs> this isn't even really treated like a big twist. Like, it's right, right at the exactly. top of the episode. And really, like, the beauty of this is that, like, it's taking two characters that are not very interesting anyway. <laughs> like, like, at least their comics versions aren't. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, well, no one's particularly attached to, like, the personality of the Shocker or the personality of Montana in yeah. a way that you are for most characters. So, like, fuse them together and play around with a little bit. Like, this is sort of, like, the argument for changing the source material when you adapt things. Or even, like, it makes me think of, like, when we talk about remakes and reboots and stuff, mm-hmm. it's like... It doesn't really make a lot of sense to just remake something that is proven to be good or like was a great movie or whatever before and remake it over and over again. But it does make a lot of sense if you have like a specific reason for it or if you're remaking something that maybe wasn't perfect at the time and could use a little bit of like zhuzhing up a bit. Yeah. You know, and I think this is a case like that where it's sort of like there was nothing wrong with Shocker or Montana in the comics or in other cartoons. But there's a reason that like I really don't think you're ever going to meet someone who says their favorite Spider-Man villain it's shocker or montana (laughs) right i don't know who has the strong connection to shocker yeah and and why that would be and actually on the topic of shocker just generally speaking i don't know i should have looked this up ahead of time i wonder how many different people have been shocker in all media because Hmm. i just rewatched spider-man homecoming yeah and in that movie they treat shocker like the identity of shocker is very unimportant yeah you know what i mean because they have one guy start being shocker he's unceremoniously killed and then somebody else without any pomp or circumstance is made to be the next shocker just unexpectedly and then they carry on (laughs) yeah it's true i forgot about that you're right yeah so it makes me wonder i'm kind of curious to go back and see you know is this something where there's some meta commentary here and in Homecoming about the character and identity or alter ego of Shocker that I just wasn't aware of before? Or is this something that's sort of developing, you know, over the past decade? <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into it, shall we? Um, yeah, that's the most I've ever talked about Shocker. I uh, know, right? <laughs> like generally, and I think uh, I'm I'm good on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the original air date for this episode was March 22nd, 2008. It was written by Andrew Robinson, who has written on other Greg Weissman shows, actually. He's written Hmm. on Max Steel, Witch, and Young Justice. He himself was the developer and story editor of a show called Kajudo Rise of the Duel Masters. And he's also written on plenty of other cartoons. He's written on Jackie Chan Adventures, which we mentioned a lot in the uh, first episode. (laughs) He's written on multiple Transformers shows and multiple uh, Overwatch shorts. Um, He also, like in terms of Marvel shows, he's written on Iron Man, Armored Adventures, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ultimate Spider-Man. Nice. Um, I like that Guardians of the Galaxy connection because I feel like that's sort of threading its way through a lot of these episodes and actors and writers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And every time I see it come up, I just want to watch it more and more and more. And knowing that it ties into a Spider-Man cartoon specifically, I think it's just inevitable that at some point I'm going to end up watching all of Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. 
It's it's interesting because I know the dis there's like a whole Disney XD like interconnected Marvel universe, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's it is really cool. Um, it's it's weird too because from my understanding, there's like some of them are connect are connected and crossover with Ultimate Spider Man, and then some of them are connected and crossover with the current Spider Man. <laughs> That's oh, a different weird. continuity. So I don't really understand how that works, oh, but man. we'll get to that when we get to that. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Very, very strange. Yeah. Well, this episode was directed by Dan Fawcett, who directed on Lunatics Unleashed, which is a show that for some reason I haven't watched, despite knowing that I need it in my brain for all time. It's I've never watched it either, but like just... How? How have neither of us watched this show? I don't know, but it's like <laughs> reading about it. It's like the most fascinating thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. So I need to watch that eventually. He also directed on The Boondocks, which is fantastic, Hulk and the Agents of Smash, and Puppy Dog Pals. Um, he's done tons and tons of storyboarding um, as an artist and a director. Uh, he's been doing that since the 80s, so for a very long time. He worked on shows like Robocop, the animated series, one of our faves, obviously. <laughs> um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, the animated series, Spider-Man, the animated series, Guardians of the Galaxy, once again, Speed Racer, and the first two seasons of Digimon. I don't understand. Both Speed Racer and Digimon are anime dubs, so mm-hmm. I'm curious like what it means to be a storyboard artist on those. My only assumption is that it's in cases when it's like the episodes are maybe heavily edited or have at the time when a lot of like kids anime would have stuff like repainted over them yeah. and stuff like that, I guess. I really I can't think of any other reason why there would be a storyboard artist on on anime. Yeah, I'm unsure too, except like you said in those cases like infamously One Piece when it was like when they did the four kids dub or whatever, it was just they chopped the hell out of that show. So I'm guessing that the storyboard artist's job was to do what I guess somebody would do with Power Rangers and Sentai, which is to say we're using this and we're organizing it in this way. And now here you have a story. I, I, I don't I guess know. So, and it would make sense for like Speed Racer for the time because I know that show is probably like edited all to hell. But did they do anything massively to Digimon like oh, that? Very rarely. I mean, they they did, but it was usually literally just your very basic like censorship edits. Like it wasn't yeah. like they heavily cut out whole episodes or anything like that. Like they kept hmm. the narrative of Digimon pretty intact. But I know that there are only like some select episodes on the IMDb, and I. I wish now I'm wishing that I had looked at like looking up further, like what they specifically were, because I wonder if like hmm. he's only credited on the ep- few episodes that had like really major edits yeah, or something maybe. like that. Um, yeah, but that was that's kind of interesting, like, interesting trivia. Yeah, yeah. If it's not that, what a what an what an easy job. <laughs> Hi, I'm the storyboard uh, artist and director for this show that's already made. Um, allow me to open my folder where there are entirely completed storyboards. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, he also works with uh, Victor Cook as a storyboard artist on Stretch Armstrong, um, which is coming up a lot, and with Andrew Robinson on Kajudo, uh, which we just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Never heard of that show. Sounds interesting, I, I guess. hadn't either, and when I first saw it with my eyeballs, I thought it was something entirely different, and <laughs> am now realizing I don't have any clue what that is. <laughs> yep. So, yay. <laughs> Whoops. Cool. <laughs> 
Well, in terms of major characters, um, this is a character we've already seen before. Uh, we touched on him like a tiny, tiny bit in the first episode, in our, our episode 12 um, mm-hmm. of Spectacular Spider-Man, but we'll talk about him a little more in depth. So the major villain here is Montana, who becomes the alias Shocker in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's portrayed by Jeff Bennett, who, well, we're just saying this for every voice actor ever on this show, is somebody yeah. that you've heard like across the board on tons and tons of things. So probably most famously, he's the voice of Johnny Bravo. And you can definitely like hear a little bit of Johnny Bravo in his voice, even when he's Montana. <laughs> Uh, which is fun. I can hear Johnny Bravo in my head. Like, and I didn't, <laughs> right? I didn't watch that show very much. Really? Well, yeah, well, I cause mean... I didn't have cable. So the only time I watched it was when I was at friends houses, but it's such an iconic voice and role <laughs> yeah. that I, I have a full, full understanding of it in my brain, you know? Yeah. Like... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you only have to hear like a little snippet of it yeah. to, know, to yeah. know who and what Johnny Bravo is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in addition to that, he's got plenty other and plenty of other great uh, credits and, and recognition. Um, he was an Annie Award winner for the role of Kowalski in The Penguins of Madagascar, and he's even an Emmy winner for Mayor Lusky in Transformers Rescue Bots. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So he's getting credit where credit is due, I guess. I don't know yeah. what kind of performance he put on for Mayor Lusky in Transformers Rescue Bots. Don't know I anything about no any of those idea. things. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a Transformer to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but good for him. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, in addition to that, uh, we mentioned this on the last episode, along with Kath Suchi, he was on Dexter's uh, lab. He played Dexter's dad. Mm-hmm. He also is uh, Roman Day in the animated Guardians of the Galaxy series, which we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also Baron Von Steamer in the Big Hero 6 series, Zazu in the Lion Guard, Mr. Smee in Jake and the Neverland Pirates, a number of voices, including Red Tornado in Young Justice, another Greg Weissman connection, mm-hmm. and just, uh, just tons and tons and tons of other roles like we said yes. so he pops up all over the place yes absolutely um and uh in very very good stuff and does a very yes. good job with this one too he does he does yes oh and i guess i will be remiss to, to just point out again he is also in gargoyles <laughs> he is oh. brooklyn he is brooklyn <laughs> in gargoyles which is funny in that show he's like the young hot shot kid like yeah which uh you know it but which is funny because most of his voices that he usually plays are like older people or or i guess johnny bravo isn't like old but like Different than, like, a young, like, the stereotypical, like, young kid, you know? Yeah. So, it's kind of interesting hmm. that he does that. I would be curious to hear that. Well, his voice isn't, it's not that different of a voice that he normally has. It's kind of his natural voice, but it's Hmm. just the performance of it, I think. Yeah, I guess so. It's just kind of, like, the edgier way that he he portrays him yeah he's very good like he's kind of like one i mean he's he's a really uh really major major character like he's kind of the second lead in in a lot of cases in, in gargoyles so hmm. yeah. yes yeah well when you when you inevitably watch it you'll yes. experience that <laughs> <laughs> yes once i'm hey i'm telling you once disney plus exists yeah <laughs> i mean i have no excuse <laughs> right <laughs> other than like time <laughs> yeah I, I guess whatever that is <laughs> Well, we mentioned that in this episode, um, sort of the big the big thing is that uh, Montana will become Shocker, and so I guess we might as well just sort of dive in to to get into to that and see where that goes. Let's do it. So this episode opens with an armored truck transport, which ends up stolen by a group of tractor trailers uh, that maneuver the truck into a bigger transport truck, uh, which is a very kind of cool thing to see. 
uh, <laughs> but also very nerve wracking <laughs> at the same time. Oh, God, Even though it's yeah. a cartoon, I was like, oh my gosh, everything could go wrong. Basically, like this tractor trailer pulls up behind this armored truck and just rams the back of it, but ever so gently enough that it can just push it forward. And what really got me is that the the armored truck puts on its brakes and never takes its foot off the brakes. And I was just sitting there like, what are you doing? You're going to blow your car up. <laughs> but uh, I guess that wasn't a concern of his. So, yeah. yeah so this, this armored truck gets pushed into another tractor trailer um, and they end up gassing the driver of the armored truck. I love how elaborate it is, like almost yeah. unnecessarily elaborate. Like they didn't just perform a heist. Like they they stole the <laughs> entire armored truck. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. And <laughs> it, it is like frightening to watch it because imagine if you're just like driving down the oh highway gosh. and you just get driven into another truck. Like yeah. it's kind of surreal. Oh my gosh, that'd be terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the theft is revealed to have been orchestrated by Montana under the command of Hammerhead, who, if you had told me, was going to be such an integral character before we started watching this, I probably would have just been like, why, though? Right. But I guess it makes sense. I mean, Hammerhead ends up appearing a lot in other media, so I don't know why I'm not giving him all that much credit, but... (laughs) I guess I just wasn't expecting it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Also, side note, Hammerhead is like the only character design to incorporate pupils. And it really Uh, weirds me out. Yeah. Like, why? I don't know. (laughs) Especially because his iris, like his irises are already so dark that you can only just barely see his pupils, which makes it even almost more unnerving because they're like there, but they sneak up on you. (laughs) yeah like do you think that it's just a tactic almost to make him look a little bit more intimidating because he's so off-putting immediately like his head's already a weird shape yeah and he always ends up being not always but he frequently ends up being portrayed with like sort of a almost like dead skin color yeah so i feel like that i mean it's it is it is weird like of all the characters that they could have done that with he's the one they choose to deal with it feels like this similar situation with like harry's weird arms like Mm -hmm. where i i want to know what the thought process is because it's so specific for the characters that are chosen to do it Yeah, yeah it's like innocuous details but because it's only applied to specific characters it feels unique Right. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know. Anyway, Hammerhead, important, and has (laughs) creepy eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So the loot for this heist, when all is said and done, what they were actually picking up is a familiar-looking power suit. Uh, It's yellow in color, and if you watched pretty much any other Spider-Man cartoon uh, or read a number of Spider-Man comics, you recognize it immediately. But we'll get to it, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. At the behest of the big man, Hammerhead insists that Montana wear that suit to complete the as-of-yet-unfulfilled contract to kill Spider-Man. Yeah, so there you go. So it's like right off the bat that we get this, which I think is cool. Like Like we said, it isn't treated like a big surprise or anything. Right. I almost said it's not treated like a big shocker, but I avoided it. <laughs> it's almost it's almost more surprising that they don't try to make it some sort of reveal. I guess yeah. it's I guess they don't because why do that, you know? Yeah. It's but, the kind of uh, thing where hmm. I think like nowadays they would because it like the op- the polar opposite of that to me is like the reveal that 
in Homecoming at the very end that like Michelle mm. says, all of my friends call me MJ or what, or you can call me MJ or whatever, yeah. where it's just like, it's so unnecessary and only works on like the most meta level. And it's like, <laughs> you could have just called her MJ the whole time. It's fine. Yeah. Why did you have to make that a surprise? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I guess, I, I guess I'm glad they didn't try to overdo it, but it also yeah. seems underdone at the same time. So I don't know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is now. Like he yeah. is now shocker. Yeah, and you know what? It automatically makes both Montana and Shocker like infinitely more interesting than either of them would have been in this show. Yeah, so. yeah, I think so because in in uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the only other instance that we've really talked about thus far, which would be uh, the '90s show. Is that the mm-hmm. only other Shocker we've seen so far? So far, yeah. And that guy is just like a hired goon. We I, we yeah. don't know anything about him. I don't think. Yeah, right. He just he just shows up and yeah. There there you go. So at least <laughs> in this it. case, there's like some leverage, right? Like you will mm-hmm. now you'll do this and you'll wear this because you've already failed and now you're gonna play by my rules. Yeah, yeah. And by the nature of being Montana, who's got a whole cowboy shtick going on, <laughs> that adds a little bit of like a little bit more color to Shocker, where he's actually right. like he's not just a just doing the stereotypical or just kind of standard like henchman gangster yeah. kind of lines which you know we get plenty I'll of get with you. like yeah which we will get plenty of with like flint marco and mm-hmm. like alex o'hearn and stuff like that so we yeah. don't need that so we got something different yeah 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 so cool i think it's a very smart decision and it, and it works really well i think yeah. even even if it's kind of underplayed agreed yeah well the next day um so peter's like passed out in his bed in his spider-man costume <laughs> and so of course aunt may just like barges in because he doesn't lock his door when he's just hanging out in a spider-man costume yeah, what in the world? Come on. <laughs> like, good lord, dude. <laughs> he does, like, cover himself quickly enough. He's like, I'm not decent. <laughs> so she doesn't see him. But uh, but basically, I mean, she's just inviting him down for, like, breakfast or whatever. But she also is trying to get him to meet her neighbor, Anna Watson's niece, mm-hmm. Mary Jane. Oh, that name sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, I mean, what's what's she like? And Aunt May refers to her as having a wonderful personality, which makes Peter's toxically masculine senses tingle. Mm. (laughs) He just, like, shudders at the thought of it. I found one thing about this show that I don't like, (laughs) and it's this joke. (laughs) I guess, I mean... I, but knowing what we know about like Mary Jane Watson, I feel like the joke is still at the expense of like teenage boys and the, and the, uh, the thought of it, like the, the, the thoughts that they're having. I don't know. I don't know if the joke, I think the joke isn't great. Like it could have been done without anyway, but yeah, just because of the implications, but I don't know. I think the intention of it wasn't meant to be like, yeah, girls with a wonderful personality are probably like fat and ugly, right? Ha ha ha. Like, I don't think that was really the thought. I think the joke was always supposed to kind of be on peter and harry as well ultimately where it's sort of like hey maybe you should challenge your expectations of things but it doesn't I really like yes i it's just hmm, i don't but know yeah. it feels like such an outdated joke especially because we know that he is going to be validated that's like, true that's true he, he doesn't think that this i do think that the joke is that he is expecting because aunt may talked about her personality that she must be ugly And we know that Mary Jane is never portrayed as ugly. So Peter is going to be validated in sort of like, if not validated, rewarded uh, by eventually sort of like uh, accepting this like, like reluctantly, which 
you know, there's a history of. It's not like they're the first people to to do this, but yeah, I don't know. That's we could have we could have moved on from the uh, Mary Jane's gonna suck. Oh wait, Mary Jane's super hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. I'm probably being too a little too soft on it because I mean because and it doesn't it doesn't help that like we don't ultimately see like the culmination of seeing Mary Jane in either of these episodes or anything. So like yeah, we don't really know what the end result of that's gonna be. So even like no matter what, all we're left with is Peter and Harry think girls are the wonderful personality are probably ugly that's right. it well, and, there's, <laughs> and there's no one there's no one present to challenge it you know what i mean because yeah. it's not like gwen is there witnessing them do this yeah so it, it's i i think it's sort of a confusing thing for the show to do because i think when you when you you can certainly do nuanced things where you are making that character obviously problematic so that we as viewers recognize the problematic behavior and try not to be like that right but in this case it's a little murky because there is no other person making it clear that we aren't supposed to sort of be like uh-huh, right exactly that's true. I know, yeah. my man. <laughs> yeah, because we have seen uh, in, in plenty of instances already in the last three episodes where you have had that other person who's sort of challenges Rand. The bad oh, behavior. why couldn't they have done this in front of Rand? Yeah, yeah. Ah! <laughs> you're right. You're right. I think I think I was giving I'm, I'm giving I was giving it a little too much credit because I know that the show usually means well when it comes to this kind of stuff. But it's not handled well here because, yeah, ultimately it is just a joke that kind of fall. It kind of falls flat. It's not even really a good yeah. joke anyway. Yeah, it's it's like a disappointingly lazy sort of joke. And and, and yeah. again, it's it's the one thing in what five episodes that I've run into. where I'm like, ugh. so yeah. I mean, they've got a pretty good record going here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than like always picking something out from the 90s show or <sighs> being like, friends, what are you even doing? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Firestar fell in love with a villain yeah. again. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> this one still leaps and bounds ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awkward, but uh, we do get another moment of uh, Peter noticing like or becoming aware of like the financial situation that mm-hmm. Aunt May is in. So he sees some of the past due bills that Aunt May is kind of like trying to quietly hide in the kitchen. She's still keeping it all a secret from him, but he's still kind of on to it. Um, he doesn't mention it to her, but this is something that's going to be in the back of his head throughout the entire episode. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're doing a good job sort of like casually building up to it, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. So we do see that uh, Peter will be swinging across town, something that's not unusual. And in this circumstance, he's on the phone with Eddie, which is kind of funny. I think it's funny whenever he's just like casually talking on the phone while swinging around. Because can you imagine what that would sound like on the other end? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just like ridiculous. I think Eddie even says something about it. Yeah. Well, Peter makes... Peter makes a comment of like, oh, man, I really need like hands free. And Eddie's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's funny, like seeing like the current versions of Spider-Man in like the game and in the movies like he does. He doesn't. He just has stuff embedded in his suit. But I like some uh, AirPods. (laughs) Yeah. Cover him up with his mask. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he's, he's talking to Eddie on the phone. And basically apologizing for his behavior with the whole lizard photo debacle, which I I actually really like the way that this is presented because Eddie basically is like, you know what? I don't like what you did. And I think it was crappy. But also, we don't need to make a huge deal about it. I just need some time. Like, it's all very Mm -hmm. honest and very healthy and multidimensional. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. He hasn't completely written off his friendship with Peter, but he's communicating 
that he's not ready yet to just like totally pick it back up. Yeah, he's and he's being true to who we've seen of Eddie up to this point. Like, I think mm-hmm. he I mean, we, we mentioned some things in the last episode where it's sort of like a little bit tenuous of like, what's your mental state, dude? But oh, for, the yeah. most, <laughs> for the most part, he's pretty level headed about stuff. And I think this is pretty cool. I think it's, yeah. it's another kind of example of like healthy relationships and healthy communication where it's just like sometimes you just need time and space. And mm-hmm. that's really all there is to it. There's nothing you can do about that. And as long as you are communicating that to each other and respecting it, that's that's all that really matters. That's all yeah. you can do. I really appreciate them including that example in this because you know that there are plenty of kids watching it. And so, I mean, what a what a good example for them to have to to be able to see someone say, I am mad at you, but I, I will get over it. But please give me the space to get over it. Yeah. You know, what isn't a good example to present to kids is Eddie saying, don't go all emo on me, bro. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what else I was doing earlier today? Uh, yeah. Spider-Man related was listening to the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love it too. But it's so funny how yeah, any piece of media, certainly, yes. um, but because we specifically talk about Spider-Man, like how any given piece of Spider-Man media is just such a slice mm. of whatever <laughs> culture. Oh, my God you know was happening although doesn't this seem a little bit late to say don't go all emo on me yeah because this was 2008 2008 is a little late yeah because people were already people had been criticizing spider-man 3's emo peter parker from 2007 as being like a really kind of like passe like uncool Mm -hmm. thing already so yeah yeah, it's a little dated already and it only it gets worse with time um and the bro doesn't help (laughs) right and it is not like a great thing to to necessarily say because it's it's playing on you know like how being emo like threatens your yeah. you know masculinity or your right. whatever but but obviously I think it was in this in this case yeah like uh, is probably once again just sort of like uh, another like uh out of place phrasing or something like that yeah oh well i mean you know (laughs) i chuckled though because i i can't help it like i was in high school when emo was at its at Mm -hmm. like in its prime so like i feel connected to anything that's like referencing like (laughs) just like emo music or emo style or anything like that because i just i can feel it so solidly (laughs) oh yeah i mean you know i i wouldn't i i i I can't deny that part of the reason i love this show so much isn't just from the quality of the show but because i was also watching it like at the beginning of college like (laughs) it was a very special time in my life so yeah it definitely and it this show this show's pretty pretty keeps it pretty classic and not super bogged down in like Mm -hmm. the time that it was made in a lot of ways but there's still these little little cases that are really fun when they pop up that are just like ooh, that's that brings me back. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, it, like, it shows shows its cards as to like when it was made and how old it is. Because <laughs> yeah. most of the time, it doesn't, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretty timeless in its, uh, in its style. Like, if you are not somebody who specifically pays attention to animation, uh, like, I don't know that you would place this very easily. Oh, definitely. I would, yeah. I would, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think they do a pretty good job of, of making it as timeless as it possibly could be for the most part. Yeah. Just, you know, then there are times when Eddie says, don't go all emo on me, bro. So, you know. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we haven't hit 2010 yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
<sighs> well, um, it, it, after that, while that conversation is going on, as Peter's swinging around, um, we, we do get a, a brief glimpse that Big Man does have his goons around New York, and they are, like, on the lookout for Spider-Man. So yes. people are keeping their eye on him, but he has no idea his spider sense is not tingling about people mm-hmm. watching him. Yeah, oh my gosh, Big Man, why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> it's it's kind of funny um, just how obsessed this character that we don't know is with Spider-Man because we know that it's largely largely based on annoyance and um, it's sort of a distraction and getting in the way of like business as usual. But also there's whoever this big man is, there's there's clearly some sort of ego involved too, where it's like this this annoying little, you know, costumed hero keeps getting in the way and like who does he think he is? Yeah. And why can't I stop him? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also like we're living, I think that the, the, the world of this show, at least up to this point, it's not mentioning any other superheroes in existence. Mm-hmm. It's not like name dropping the Avengers or whatever. Even the yeah. 90s show, like the first episode makes like a funny little Hulk reference. Yeah. Like this yeah. show, as far as we know, Spider-Man is the only costumed vigilante with superpowers, superpowers out there right now. Yeah. So, the original disruptor. Yeah, so he would be the only one that, like, a crime lord might be concerned about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Well, um, we do cut to the Osborne household where Peter ends up running into Norman. I guess that's where he was headed. And Norman lobs a ton of compliments to Peter all at the expense of and unsurprisingly right in front of Harry, um, which we have seen him do uh, a few times, I think, at this point. Uh, So Peter and Harry end up discussing the fall formal and their lack of dates. Harry also gets a little toxically masculine uh, at the thought of someone with a wonderful personality, uh, but says that he was thinking of asking Gwen, but just as a friend, he throws out there, you know. Right. Peter notes that uh, Gwen still isn't speaking to him, which sort of a little awkward there, but uh, what are you going to do? And uh, their whole conversation ends up interrupted because Peter ends up getting, this is so funny to me, gets an email <laughs> from the Daily Bugle. <laughs> but I think they set it up where he was like, I got to check my email. Like, I don't think he got yeah. like pinged or anything. Yeah. Um, but it's still very funny to me that he got an email from the Daily Bugle and that is what interrupted their these high school kids' conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Whoa, I got an email, bro. Cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Email. So exciting. <laughs> I think he says the email is also coming directly from J. Jonah Jameson. Like, J. Jonah Jameson, the editor-in-chief of a major metropolitan yeah. newspaper, is emailing me, a freelance photographer that he's never met personally, mm-hmm. to let me know that he wants to purchase my photos. Like, yeah, let's be real. That email probably had J. Jonah Jameson's name on it, but Betty typed and sent that email. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, that said, there is precedent from the 90s show that Jameson, like, seriously micromanages and that's like, true <laughs> like i don't we haven't seen this J. jonah jameson anchoring a news show in the evening or anything but you but know we do see that J. jonah jameson keeps track of the minutes that pass between his requests <laughs> well so i guess they're... he wouldn't know how many minutes have passed if he didn't send the email himself except the minutes are wrong like, as we see later, Betty corrects him on it. They're actually, like, That's way true. off. That's very true. Good point. <laughs> There's a lot of layers to this, Jameson. <laughs> yes, but but yes, as we have sort of alluded to, this is a, an email from Jameson basically saying, hey, let me pay you for those those photos, which is great news. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, of course, Peter, as we see a lot in this episode, he's a little bit 
little bit consumed uh, about what he has going on in his life and mm-hmm. doesn't really pay attention to his friends very much. Um, more on that later. <laughs> he he uh, He's like, I need to get my money right now. So he bails on Harry to go get his cash. He does promise him that he's going to come back later and help him with his homework and studying, um, Like, which I assume is the reason they were getting together there in the first place. Yeah before he runs off but he goes straight to the bugle there's a funny little sequence where peter is like immediately again just like the first episode immediately just kicked out by jameson because Uh, (laughs) jonah jameson remembers him (laughs) he's like no no no, i've already kicked you out get out of here Yeah. And then he's like, I emailed that Parker person 76 minutes ago. And Betty's like, no, you didn't. You already kicked him out. It was only like 20 minutes and he's downstairs <laughs> right now. <laughs> I like, I love this, this JJ and Betty relationship. It's really fun. And we haven't like seen that in any of the shows that we've watched up until this point. Um, just like seeing someone actually like being able to take Jameson to task on anything. Yeah. So once Betty gets Peter into the bugle, essentially, like she chases him down and it's kind of funny because like there's like a little moment where Peter's just about to exit and then Betty comes down as he's in the revolving door and yeah. they like both turn around a couple of times and Betty just like she doesn't even say anything. She just like like signals to him to go up like it's so hard to, to maneuver out of this revolving door. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm so glad I watched these episodes more than once because I, I missed that the first time. I must have been oh. like jotting a note or do like I don't know what I was doing. So the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm I would be I would have been so mad if I didn't watch this. <laughs> yeah yeah there's so many really little funny. moments like there's so many little moments in this show like that like it's yeah. so funny it's so i mean we say this all the time but it's like it's you you almost underestimate like what they can do with these simplistic character designs and everything yeah. but like they get so many great like little moment little looks and body language and like silent moments like this like yeah it's really well done well, and their argument is that it frees them up to do stuff like that. And I think yeah. that it's it's clear that they truly believe that because they maximize that situation. Right, right. So once they, you know, once Peter gets back upstairs, JJ actually tells him that he wants more pictures of Spidey. Um, and then, of course, gives him a deadline because that's, <laughs> that's pretty much all <laughs> Jameson's been shouting out this whole time is this deadline and that deadline and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So he gives him two hours to provide more photos, which is an absolutely bonkers request. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally right. bonkers, especially since Peter's freelance and in high school. Right. <laughs> but it's J. Jonah Jameson. What do you expect? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Absolutely. So Peter does, uh, since uh, there's a little cute little like flirtation between peter and betty so i think she's already kind of seen that peter's kind of uh, kind of cool you know because she saw him i know that they had a brief little interaction in the first episode and and she's seen how jameson has treated him he probably is just like a cute little kid and she thinks it's adorable probably is how she's seeing it she cuts peter his check and there's kind of like a like they're kind of flirting but it's sort of i feel like kind of one-sided because i feel like peter is flirting with her but she's just kind of like yeah uh uh-huh James like they're they're talking about like how do you deal with Jameson and she's just like mm-hmm. oh you know he has a good heart and everything and you know they're talking about that but it isn't really anything substantial but I think for Peter it's just like oh yeah we really hit it off <laughs> I will say that I was very confused as to what Betty Brant's age was supposed to be until yeah. the next episode and so yeah, when I definitely. watched this interaction I was like 
I'm not really sure what's happening because knowing a bit more about Betty is going to help clear up what I just watched and Mm -hmm. I didn't get it until a whole episode later. So that was one of those things that I like set aside and was like, I know that this will clear up, but for now it's a little strange. (laughs) I think it's intentional because like I said, I think I said this in the last one, like sort of the thesis where like they're going into the show knowing that a lot of people watching this are going to know a lot about the Spider-Man mythos. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of the thing where it's like, a lot of people know that Betty Brant and Peter Parker did like date for a short time. Like she's one of yeah. his love interests. So let's play with that a little bit. If we're framing him as a 16 year old, but we still have Betty Brant as a person, as an employee of J. Jonah Jameson. Like how's mm-hmm. that going to work? So I like that they do sort of play with it a little bit and it adds a little bit of a different dynamic. Cause it's not like it's, it's a case where somebody that is technically sort of Peter's like canon love interest isn't on the same level as him at all. Yes. Yes. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I love the choice, but it's not particularly bothersome to me. Yeah. It was just like a, it was a longer amount of confusion than I was expecting. I think know? that's fair. I think that's fair. And it is, it's always like uncomfortable to see, <laughs> to well, see like that. I don't dislike the choice overall. Like, I don't dislike the idea of a high school Peter Parker having a crush on like college age student or older Betty Brandt, who mm-hmm. he sees regularly. That's like very normal. Mm-hmm. I, I would even say it's like totally, it, it wouldn't be uncharacteristic for a high school boy to have sort of delusions of having a chance with, <laughs> you know, a college age girl or a, or a, you know, a woman out of college or whatever. It was more the like, I'm not sure what I'm watching yet. That was <laughs> that I'm not sure about. Like, that's the choice that I'm like, I don't know yet. Um, but knowing, knowing that there are other things that they've sort of played with, I guess is where I can put that. Like, that's the context I can sort of couch it in mm-hmm. and, and, sort of feel a, bit, a little bit better about it i guess yeah yeah i think that makes sense it's it's weird no matter what it's just sort of like the level of how the execution worked for you or not yeah oh i also want to point out i like jameson's line when he's talking to a uh, peter where he's like apologizing for not recognizing him he's like sorry i didn't realize you were so young or whatever i was expecting someone with armpit hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah this uh this jameson i i hope we get more of that uh, maybe in place of some of the shouting, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's like it's like a hundred percent shouting, or maybe like ninety nine percent shouting, and like a quip here or there. And he's he's genuinely funny. He's like a funny character. So mm-hmm. I was glad we got a little bit of that. It, it gives me hope that that he's not all shout all the time. <laughs> I feel bad for Darren Norris having to do his voice and just being. Oh like, my god! Yeah. So you have these like twenty lines. I mean, you're just yelling them all. Yeah. Just, can you, you know, scream to... every single one of them except <laughs> this one? <laughs> <laughs> but but does a really good job so it's it's definitely definitely skillful it just uh i hope we get some of the wit that can yes. that can come with with jonah definitely so after that uh peter's swinging along in a spider-man and he hears an alarm and sees some crooks driving off um he recognizes them as uh, flint marco <laughs> and alex o'hearn again these guys <laughs> these same two guys uh, we met him in the first episode already and he's mm-hmm. interacting with them again um however we learn that this was intentional that they are working for the big man um and their job is to get spidey to tail them and tr- lead him into a trap um that trap being a landfill where as soon as he chases them down and he, you know he beats them really quickly like he always does yeah. but then he is attacked with these sonic blasts by montana who is wearing the set power suit and now calling himself shocker yes indeed so we are to believe that he named himself right uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is that's fine i just 
it's an interesting detail because um, yeah. a number of of Spider-Man's adversaries at this point have actually been named by someone else. Right. So it's 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 kind of neat that Montana is is now naming himself. So yeah, and he mentions that his suit. He says of his suit that either you got less kick than a three legged mule. Yeah, or this suit has power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I I guess it um it doesn't it's not just an offensive suit. It has defensive properties as well. It does. Yeah, yeah. We see him using like kind of like an energy shield type mm-hmm. thing. I bit. like that. I like that a lot. That's yeah. Cool. The whole effect of his of his like blasts are so cool because they're like a kind of like a, a CGI like three D kind of <laughs> effect overlaid over the the two D animation. Yeah. So one thing that this show is able to do that older shows couldn't really do is that they can layer things in such a way that they can finish an entire scene and then go back and without erasing anything just add something to that scene. And I guess a very, very uh, regular uh, occurrence of that is Peter's Spider-Sense. Mm-hmm. They don't draw Peter's Spider-Sense into the scene. They animate it over what's happening. So you get this weird sort of wavy, squiggly effect, but not at the cost of whatever's behind the weird, squiggly effect. Right. It's kind of how Shocker's stuff works, too, is it It ends up sort of distorting the world around it because it's a layer, which is cool. Yeah, it's really well done, and it's sort of like, because I think like the 90s show Shocker, his waves almost just kind of look like like water coming out of his of his mm-hmm. uh, gauntlets. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool effect here. I feel like I remember reading that because I don't know what Shocker's, like, canon powers are in the comics most of the time. Like, what his energy <laughs> things are supposed to be, necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think Greg Weissman had said that they were looking at it from, in this version of being kind of, like, air, like, super high-powered, like, compressed air blasts. Oh. Maybe also augmented by some kind of energy, too, since they're, like interesting and crazy <laughs> so my my initial like thought was always that shocker was um like electric shock um but i guess that's sort of confused by the fact that electro also exists and they're both sort of like named yeah. regular villains at least uh in the 90s it seems like mm-hmm. so then i remember you and i were talking about this during the 90s show and we we're like are these sonic blasts are they electric blasts like what are they it never occurred to me that they could be sort of like high concentrated air blasts that's uh, that's yeah. a that's a neat neat idea or a neat way to think about it yeah and i think the way even though it's like glowing green so it's mm-hmm. got to be more than just air like the way that it kind of distorts the the background and everything at the way sure. it's animated i think does support the fact that it's some kind of like super hyper compressed air powers yeah hmm what uh, that's yeah. that's neat yeah so after a brief fight i mean it doesn't really take all that long and after literally having O'Hearn drive a truck into him um <laughs> Shocker knocks Spidey into a trash compactor um, and then assumes, uh, because he's in a trash compactor, that he's been crushed to death, which is morbid. <laughs> but yeah. we're used to on this show. <laughs> hey, we yeah. killed Spider-Man. Everything's good, guys. Uh, let's walk away. <laughs> right, right. At least this show doesn't play like some like huge, sad uh, orchestral music. Yeah, it's they're sort not of trying like, to trick us. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you know, he's not dead. <laughs> right, right. The surprise, the surprise is how he survives. <laughs> since we've been mentioning so many movie parallels, um, you know, at least since our last episode, um, here's another amazing Spider-Man 2 parallel for you. Oh, uh, Spider-Man gets hit by a truck in that movie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and it really caught me off guard. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that when he is revealed to have not been crushed, 
it's basically because he was in what looks like some sort of fridge, which is like kind of, I don't know what came first, this or Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, yeah. But if Indiana Jones came first, I really love the idea that they were like, okay, but what if we what if we put him in a fridge? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> well, so many people hated that. <laughs> it came out, they both came out in 2008, so they, oh. and they, they had to be animating this like a year in advance, so I think that was just a crazy coincidence. Oh, what a weird coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Wow. Way man. to copycat there, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. Fridges, fridges are just like the, so the go-to defense. Yeah, so 2008. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's emo and there's fridges. Man, mm-hmm. this episode is so dated. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Unfortunately, his paycheck dies uh not really sure how because it ends up looking sort of like discarded seaweed when all is said and done yeah but uh his paycheck does not survive the trash compactor right um and also since he was compressed into garbage he reeks this show loves that word (laughs) doesn't it (laughs) and i love that they love that word it makes me want to bring reeks back (laughs) i know it's so good (laughs) (laughs) that reeks (laughs) my day reeked (laughs) they use it for everything yeah yeah Anything like slightly negative, whether it is yeah. actually about a sense of smell or not, it reads. Right, right. <laughs> well, the next day in PE, of course, Harry is upset that Peter never helped uh, helped him study. He never mm-hmm. came back, you know, unbeknownst to Harry. He was just like survived being in a trash compactor. So understandable, but Harry's pissed at him. Peter does promise to meet him later tonight to continue to study. But, uh, you know, as per usual, we get we get Flash and the bullies making fun of Harry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing we haven't seen before at this point, um, which to Harry, it's just sort of like yet another like crappy thing to happen to me today. Yeah. So Peter does try to kind of stand up for Harry. He does try to be a good friend by challenging Flash to a rope climbing contest. Of course, knowing that he's got spider powers so he could like pull it off and basically like hustling Flash essentially. But the plan doesn't work because Flash refuses to do it because as soon as they're going to do it, he smells Peter who, despite showering three times, still reeks. This is such a weird gag to me. <laughs> it really is. It's so weird because this, this pops up many times in this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> but not everybody thinks he reeks. Like, Harry never mentions it. True. I like, guess he's uh, just being nice, maybe? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe it's nice characters because Harry doesn't mention it. And then we'll see later, I think later, um, Robbie never mentions it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's only nice characters. <laughs> well despite that this whole scene's just like awkward af because then throughout this whole time like gwen and and a bunch of other people are playing volleyball and she keeps asking like can you throw the ball back can you throw the ball back ball's over there can you give us the ball can you give us the ball and then once peter finally picks up the ball and throws it it's as soon as she's turned around so she gets hit in the head with the volleyball Mm -hmm. and of course the assumption they're already in a fight so that's just like makes peter look even worse and yeah so that's that sucks (laughs) I admire how committed they are to Gwen not talking to him throughout yeah. this episode because it yeah. almost seems it almost seems risky to do that because you know if you if you miss an episode I, I I know this this is meant to be or was sort of planned to be 
longer term stories. But if you missed an episode, suddenly Peter's friends hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they don't and for really, a whole episode. There's no previously on, and there's yeah. nobody really fully explaining why. So like you could very, I think they could very easily kind of run the risk of making Gwen seem seem more unlikable. Where it's just like, yeah, here's our hero. Why doesn't? Why is she still mad right. at him? Right. I don't think it's a detriment to the show at all because it's no. it's it's all very intentional. But I do think it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and and I admire the fact that they were like, no, for real, like she's not going to talk to him like she is yeah. going to be mad at him the whole episode it's a gutsy move yeah, yeah. And it's not something that just gets i mean it gets solved eventually but it, but he goes the whole episode without it being solved so yeah it's the type yeah. of thing that pays off in the end so i, I it's a yeah. it's a good choice yeah definitely um well after all that all that terrible awkward uh, awkward stuff <laughs> Peter has another awkward thing to do where he has to go back to his new job where he mm-hmm. just got his first paycheck from and already be like, hey, I lost my check. Can you get me a new one? Which is, again, awkward AF. Yep. He is, uh, uh, they, like, I think it's, it's Jameson. No, it's Betty who first, like, comments that, like, Peter's wearing perfume now. Which, you know, if you're a high, I feel like so many high schoolers wore, like, so much, like, axe and stuff at that time yeah. anyway. It wouldn't be that out of the norm. People wouldn't be commenting on it they just be like oh he's a 16 year old of course he's gonna make the whole room smell like axe but it's the running gag here so they have to comment and they don't say cologne they say perfume specifically which makes me wonder if he like didn't own cologne and just used on his perfume i guess maybe i (laughs) i assumed he came from school though oh that's true so yeah it's kind of weird Who'd you get perfume from? <laughs> I know his best his best friend isn't talking to him. Right? Like, did he just like steal it from somebody? I don't know. Yo, Liz, <laughs> that wouldn't have gone well. <laughs> interesting. She's <laughs> very interesting. Well, in any case, uh, Betty does introduce him to Robbie Robertson, who we've seen and kind of met briefly, but this is like kind of the first official introduction to him. Um, Whose name is Joe, by the way. Yeah, Joe, Robbie Rob. I think that's like his, I think that's normal. They just Why is that don't... something I've never remembered? <laughs> I don't know. Well, because like, why, because why would somebody named Joe go by Robbie? Like, yeah, doesn't... well, but here's the thing, though, is like, I knew that Robbie was a nickname for his last name, but for whatever reason, Joe just really threw me off. I don't know <laughs> why. That's really funny. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Too many Joes, I guess. Yeah. Well, he, we, we get him introduced to him. He's the assistant editor. Um, and he's also Rand's father. Um, so we kind of established that connection. He's he's real nice, but he does note that like while Peter's ability to get Spider-Man's photos is, is really great and really cool and useful, his actual photos are lacking because he just has a real basic, like super basic digital camera. Mm-hmm. And he suggests that he use his paycheck to invest in a better camera. Which, wow, like what a good like micro obstacle. Like the mm-hmm. kind of thing that's really going to throw a wrench in his plan where like he has succeeded in getting this money that he intends to use to help Aunt May and then is told like, actually, you should use that for something else. And it's a real predicament, too, because it's he's being told to invest that money so that he can succeed in the future. So he's being presented with this sort of like, I can immediately help somebody right now and then potentially, you know, <laughs> like relieve that person uh, from their their immediate problem. Or I could do this thing that will pay off in the end, but it's going to look almost sort of selfish in the short term. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's good. It's very, I think it's, it's such a good, subtle choice that has 
larger ramifications and for a teenager i think would be a really really hard thing to choose yeah well i think that's the thing that this show has has to this point done really well with this idea of the education of peter parker of course Mm -hmm. you said many times is like kind of the thesis of it that's sort of like one of those little life lessons that i mean we all kind of have to run into at some point where you get a choice between like especially when you're a teenager when you're not really looking super far into the future like at most you're like what college am i gonna go to in two years like that's it so it's like the idea of having to think of like investing money into something to like benefit you later when you have the option like you said Mm -hmm. to do something right now it's i mean that's kind of a hard choice to make even when you're an adult like oh yeah with it for a while well it's it's like investing in a side hustle you know like that that would be the adult equivalent i suppose this is his his job job like it because he you know he doesn't he doesn't get paid in any other way but it would be Mm -hmm. like if you had a side hustle and you were like you know like if i if i invest in this side hustle i could potentially be more successful at it but i also like just paid my bills and i need groceries so like how do i Mm -hmm. how do i make the choice of where to allocate my funds um, and that's thinking of it from a, an adult perspective, not even yeah. from a 16-year-old's perspective. I know. Well, it's even like, I mean, even just like podcasting. Like, look what we're yeah. doing right now. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And the idea of like buying a nice, like a better mic, which, you know, like some people will be like, but if I'm doing this for free and it's going to be a long time before I make any money, if ever, why would I ever invest in it at yeah. all? And that's a really like kind of complicated and very adult decision you have to make where it's sort of like, is this the right time to put money into something better mm-hmm. that maybe eventually down the line it'll benefit me? But by that point, it's it's so far, it's so far like into yeah. the ether that like it's, it's hard to even like imagine where you're going to be at when it would actually benefit you. So yeah. it's cool. And it's such a great like again for like kids watching it or like young like maybe like middle schoolers or something like that i think it's such a it's such a really interesting lesson to present Ooh, it's such a good discussion question for kids yeah because they're all gonna have different answers you know to say like what would you do would you buy a camera or would you you know give that money to aunt may and it would be interesting to see what kids watching it would say peter should have done yeah, and it's so fascinating because, like, there's so many ways you can watch a show and just be like, oh, they're trying to hammer in some kind of moral lesson for the kids. Like, this kind of stuff is really, I think, is it's so well done because it's so integrated into the character of Peter and the story mm-hmm. of the episode, but also in the same way that any, like, like shoehorned-in educational lesson might be. Like, this is still something that would benefit young people from thinking about. Yeah, yeah. it's like thought exercise without necessarily a, a one right answer, which is cool. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, hey, guys. <laughs> Did you guys know that uh, Spectacular Spider-Man is like a really good, well-written show? I don't know if we've mentioned that. (laughs) Uh, Shocker. I know. Wait. (laughs) So um, as a result of getting this advice from Robbie, obviously Peter does decide like, well, I should go to the camera store then. Either to buy a camera or just to look at his options, whatever the case may be. We don't find out because there is a clerk locking the door on him who looks scared. And Peter even sort of points out like, hey, uh, the store's not supposed to close for another hour. Uh, but the clerk is like, nope, nope, we're closing. Sorry, got the sign's wrong, gotta go. Which, of course, makes Peter suspicious. So his gut instinct goes off, if not his spider sense. <laughs> um, so he realizes, like, 
sums up, he investigates and realizes that Marco and O'Hearn, our favorite little burglars, Mm -hmm. are in the midst of a robbery, and they're once again wanting to get their big score before word spreads about Spider-Man's demise. Because obviously, if everybody finds out that Spider-Man doesn't exist, that's like their opportunity to pull off these big heists. So they're like trying to get in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kind of smart on their part. It is, yeah. I think, <laughs> like, yeah, it's really, it's it's another another thing that's kind of thing pretty well written, actually, yeah, for them. Yeah. They are sort of unhappy to find that the rumors of Spidey's demise were <laughs> greatly exaggerated uh, when Spider-Man shows up <laughs> fully alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A nice, it's a nice little moment between them two. Yeah. Just like, he says that, like, verbatim, like, rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated, and they're just like, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then has to literally explain while in front of them, I'm not dead, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's what that means. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, he shows up, he stops them, and lets them know that uh, they should let Shocker know that he wants a rematch. Yep, and also his costume still reeks despite him washing it five times. Five whole times. <laughs> It's like the most suspension of disbelief. Like I feel like in yeah. the show, like there's no, no way you washed it five times. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that suit's supposed to be made of. <laughs> seriously, like whatever it is, apparently must absorb scents uh-huh. like crazy. Yuck. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't own any spandex, so maybe that's maybe that's a yeah. Thing. Yeah, what do we know? <laughs> if no that's idea. the case, then I feel sorry for like all the Sentai and Power Rangers actors. Oh my gosh, <laughs> their poor lives. <laughs> and the poor lives of everyone around them. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter does make it home in time for his curfew for once, so that's Whoa. nice. But of course he spots Aunt May, again, struggling with the bills. He like comes very close to offering to pay them. He's still just got a wad of cash sitting in his pocket. Mm-hmm. But before he offers it, he remembers that he still needs a new camera. So he makes the kind of tough decision to not tell her about the money that he's made. Um, but he's still like feeling weird about it because Aunt May is like, hey, do you, like, well, you know, let's 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 eat our worries away with this delicious yeah. banana cake. And he's like, no, I don't have an appetite, which who would turn down delicious Aunt May banana cake? Yeah, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make this woman feel better, you will eat that banana cake. <laughs> 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 this is, this is I, I like this too because I, I had such an immediate reaction to this scene where I was like, Peter, talk to her about it. What are you doing? But that was totally a frustration with the character and not with the way it was written. And I feel like that's such a good sign for a show where you're having these immediate reactions to the to what the characters are doing without thinking about like the meta of it all. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. That's so true. Because that's so much... I felt a lot of that in the last, in the lizard episode too, when you knew that he was making the wrong call with yeah. like the photos and stuff and how he presented his lies. Like this show does that really well because you, you really connect with Peter. I think pretty instantaneously and understand like all of his reasonings and motivations, but that makes, but then when he's like making mistakes, you're yeah. just like, I know that you can do better. I know that you can do better. Just yeah. do better, please, for me. <laughs> I know. And then you like step back and realize that like all of his mistakes have been so well crafted. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> none of his mistakes are mistakes, like on right. the part of the writers, and it's beautiful. <laughs> They're all perfectly, perfectly understandable and yes. make sense for his character, makes sense for any 16 year old mm-hmm. to make that mistake. Like, uh, 
God. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so frustrating, but like in the in in the best possible possible intentional way. Right. This is not like Firestar melting toxic chemicals <laughs> into the sewer. Oh, like God. that was the writer's mistake. Uh. <laughs> this is not the writer's mistake. This is their triumph. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and speaking of Peter making obvious mistakes that are uh. so frustrating. Oh my God, Peter, why did you do this? Uh, I think Aunt May makes a little reference where it's like, yeah. oh, you must be so tired from helping Harry, which Peter's like. I did not help Harry. I uh, totally forgot about that. Um, which, you know, leads to a very, very quick scene of uh, Peter coming to school. And Harry is understandably furious with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, just like a quick little text or something would, would solve like, the problems, buddy. But 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 it's 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 like a character character beat of this version of peter that he mm-hmm. gets so consumed and focused on like what his like specific goal is in every given moment and he that he just like shuts out everyone around him at that point yeah he is he is not even remotely skilled at balancing being spider-man and being a social creature right you know like right. that's some some iterations of peter parker are good at that some of them are better at it in certain circumstances this one is just not good at it at all which fits in exactly with the peter that they are writing but oh my gosh it makes it so painful to watch sometimes where you're like oh peter (laughs) these (laughs) people care about you what are you doing you're breaking everybody's hearts Uh, (laughs) for real you're i know you just watch each one of his friends like drop like flies oh no uh. (laughs) uh poor harry I know. I know. I feel so bad for him. So that night, we see some more of Hammerhead and Montana. Hammerhead lets Montana know that the big man is not satisfied with his failure uh, because he believes that Montana hasn't lived up to his responsibilities, which at this point is multiple times over. So it's pretty understandable that the big man would be pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then we get um, Peter. We we don't see this happen, but we see him later with like a new, what looks like a shiny new camera. So, um, he runs into Betty, like outside of the daily bugle buying a hot dog, which sounds really good right now. Actually, I could go for a hot dog. (laughs) Um, but he, in that moment, he very, very awkwardly tries to ask her to the fall formal. And this is the moment that they really play up. Like, yes, you're right. There is an age difference. You mm. were worried about that. And that's really come to fruition. Cause like, I guess know, they address it sooner than I remembered. Well, but I, I, yeah, but it's still, I think it's, ling- you linger with the, 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 yeah. the, the unsure, like being unsure about it for a while. I think it makes this scene incredibly awkward because I, <laughs> Like you said, like they know what I am wondering. And so mm-hmm. as this is playing out very slowly and painfully, I'm like, oh my gosh, everything rides on how old she is. Yes. <laughs> what is so, she going to say? I do not know. <laughs> so funny because they really hammer it in because Betty's just like fall formal. And it's like for anybody who's been out of high school for just like even just like a year or two, like the that that stuff becomes so like alien to you as soon yeah. as you're out in the world, like just for a short time. So then it, it like hammers in, it's just like yeah, you know, at my high school in our in our gymnasium, and <laughs> and they and he, you know, everything he says makes me believe further that she is going to be older than him. But they still let him do all of those things before she actually just says it. So I'm like, okay, she's probably too old. Yeah. But maybe she's not. Okay, she's still probably too old, but I don't know yet. <laughs> I guess the impli- and the I guess the implication in universe is that Betty is charmed by Peter enough yeah. that like 
there is the thought of like, yeah, cool. Wait, no, you're in high school. That's weird. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they do eventually just like get to it. Yeah, she does. But but even when she's telling him, like, I'm too old for you, it's kind of like reluctantly like she she is kind of like, I don't want to say she's into him because that's still like weird. But I think like, yeah, I I don't want to say that at all like that. Yeah. I wouldn't like that even a little. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little that it's it's, it's 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 uncomfortable. But I think they do it. I don't I think this this one scene is awkward as it is like it's executed as well as it could be because it is still just like she's trying to let him down easy. She, mm-hmm. like, acknowledges that, like, he's this kid with a crush on her, and, like, she does think that he's, like, probably adorable, and maybe if the the, the age difference was was different, maybe it would work out, but, like, there's no way that it, that it can happen. It, it, there's, there's just no way. So, she does let him down and tells him she's too old for him, but <laughs> it's, it's yeah. awkward no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. Yeah. But, but I will say, it is cool, conversely to like see the age difference between like a woman and a man where the woman's older than the guy, because I feel like that's not super common. I feel like it's a lot more common, especially in media to have the guy like having the, uh, the age, like kind of the, uh, the older age and like the experience over, over the girl in most cases. Well, I think it's, I think it's common only as a fantasy or as a joke. And so this is refreshing because mm-hmm. it doesn't, fall into either category where she's not a cougar and it's not like hilarious (laughs) because she's a cougar you know like that's not the case but it's also not like the graduate type of like fantasy this is my friend's mom type of thing either it's just it just so happens like there is an age difference and it's not going to work because of the age difference (laughs) yeah yeah exactly I'm just so thinking, it's definitely refreshing in that sense for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of like there's a bit in Veronica Mars where she's 16 and there's a 20 year old and he's treated like a serious love interest and it mm. really bums me out a lot because yeah. it's it's the same kind of situation where it's just like oh yeah I can see why they have chemistry but it yeah. doesn't make it any less bad. But I feel like at least with the gender swap here and the way that Peter's kind of pursuing her and she doesn't really engage. She's almost like kind of taken aback by it. I feel like it's kind of, it's still like, it's, it's kind of refreshing to see it from that angle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree for sure. The the hot dog, the poor hot dog. (laughs) I know. It looks so good. It's so big and all the mustard Uh, on it. She drops a hot dog. She drops it on the freaking ground. It makes me so mad. She didn't even get a bite. I know she just she just bought it she just dressed it with some delicious looking mustard and there's a tremor and it uh, she drops it right on the ground and as far as we know she just has to go hungry for the rest of the night because of the chaos of this tremor that's hap- that happens I really <laughs> hope that that hot dog vendor gave her another hot dog <laughs> <laughs> I know look not to go on like another uh, like another tangent in this one but like I it's such a pet peeve of mine to watch movies where there's delicious food that does not get eaten like, <laughs> when they get a meal like in Home Alone. There's a point when Kevin makes mac and cheese, a whole bowl of mac and cheese. And it uh-huh. looks amazing. But then the clock strikes and he's like, oh, it's time for me to set up my traps for the bank robbers. Oh, or, that's the bank so robbers, upsetting. Yeah. The, uh, for, to set the traps for like the home invaders and he just leaves it it's like you just fucking prepared that why aren't you eating it looks so good i would eat it why are you eating it yeah Ugh, i makes you so mad <laughs> well this is good to know <laughs> can give you heads up on certain certain series now <laughs> yes. just so you know there's a running gag where they don't get to eat their food <laughs> 
Um, well, this is this is one of those cases, unfortunately, where she doesn't get to eat her hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you mentioned, it is because of a tremor. Um, and Peter learns from Robbie that there have actually been three tremors all occurring along a path, which is sort of strange. Um, and so Peter deduces that Shocker must have gotten his message and is leaving a sort of breadcrumb trail of tremors for Spider-Man to sort of find and pursue in order to get Shocker, which is clever but destructive. (laughs) Yeah. And also, like, I mean, did he really expect that? Like, I feel like the likelihood that Spider-Man would catch on to this Mm -hmm. is kind of low. Like, he got kind of lucky that that Peter was was where he was when this happened. Yeah, I don't know, like, what those... I don't know how he chose to construct the map of Tremors that would lead (laughs) Spider-Man to him, but uh, he he lucked out that Peter is a sharp kid. Yeah, it's also kind of uncertain, like, how Peter deduces that he's leading him to an old condemned theater, but that's what he deduces. Um, yeah, it actually confused <laughs> me the first time I watched it. I was like, hold on, hold on a second. He did what now? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it's not clear at all. It's just like, oh, yeah, of course this path would lead here. Like, yeah. why, why would you, why, why would you think that? But, you know, it does, that said, it does lead him to, like, a pretty cool set piece. Because yeah. the old uh, uh, condemned theater is a cool place to ha- have a battle where they can just kind of destroy everything without us feeling bad for everything getting destroyed. So. I, mm, I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how I'd describe my feelings. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, okay, as opposed to like a sky, like a, a, yeah. a uh, an apartment building where people live right. getting destroyed in their battle. At least it's something that's already condemned and was probably going to be like demolished anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely appreciate. Like, <laughs> I can appreciate them setting up a battle in a location where there are not like tons of casualties that we just have to assume either happened and won't be acknowledged or just magically didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But there are points in this battle where I was like, okay, you are being a little reckless. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, just a yeah. little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's all for the sake of, you know, our entertainment. So I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not entertained by this sheer destruction. <laughs> I was very distracted by the destruction. TBH. <laughs> I mean, the, that theater is clearly like a, a historic building that could have yeah. been, could have been like renovated and, and and made into something great so it is disappointing that they just like destroyed it but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so they they and I, I there's one specific moment that i want to mention and we're very close to it so i'm going to power through this so that i can voice yeah. my full frustration about a very specific moment do it <laughs> so they end up fighting in this theater right he finds the theater he's led to where shocker wants to face off and Spider-Man's trying to figure out, like, who hired Shocker, but he doesn't really figure much out at all. Shocker does deliver this line that ends up not being insignificant, which is kind of a surprising source for inspiration. But Shocker says, you know, a man honors his responsibilities and you are one of mine. So Shocker's obviously using this to say, like, don't worry about who hired me, like... But obviously, there's there's more to this than you realize. But that line will come back later in the episode, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. Anywho, here's where we get to the destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man jumps around. Um, he's dodging all of Shocker's blasts, which naturally leaves a trail of destruction. That's fine. Whatever. He's very quippy. I do I do enjoy a number of the of the the quips that he sort of has, and they are effective in making Shocker angrier and angrier. As he tries to, you know, destroy Spider-Man. But what this results in is him basically, (laughs) basically knocking the whole theater down. But there is a moment 
where, <laughs> like, Shocker has hit enough pillars that Spider-Man's able to do what he does next. But I would argue doesn't need to at all because here's what here's how it's set up. They're fighting. Shocker ends up blasting a bunch of pillars, a bunch of, you know, chairs, a bunch of everything. He's just destroying the whole place. Spider-Man does what looks like is going to be a classic Spider-Man slingshot move. But the twist on it is that he is basically like riding through the air on a chunk of pillar because he's like not standing, whatever. He's like clinging to, with his spider powers, one of the pillars. Shocker blasts it, and then you literally just see like Spider-Man flying across the room on a chunk of pillar. So then he shoots webs on either side of him, and I'm sitting there like, oh, this is going to be so cool. He's going to like slingshot that chunk of pillar right back at Shocker and knock him out. No, that's not what he does at all. He just tears the whole thing down on top of Shocker. Why did I, you do that? Why didn't you just shoot the pillar back? I didn't don't even, understand. Like, I didn't catch on to that at all. But like your description of it. Yeah, it makes me kind of mad. He's like, like literally a catapult in that. Or like he's a huge slingshot in that moment. I don't understand why he didn't take advantage of that. Especially if you consider, like, there's this one and the next one, both, they bother me a little bit in how Spidey defeats the villains, because it's sort of like, I don't know how much he knows, like, what their defenses are, and, yeah. like, the way he defeats them are things that, like, would have killed them. Like, I, I, like are more, it's, it's actually crazy that it didn't kill them. For example, yeah. he's seen that Shocker has shields. But mm-hmm. I feel like he throwing a pillar at him or whatever would be enough to knock him out. Yeah. But like dropping a balcony on him seems like overkill. You're right. Yes. Seems like a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. He literally demolishes a building on top of Shocker. That yeah. whole building goes down except for the stage. <laughs> yeah. Like it really is a miracle that he's not dead. <laughs> like, it's wild. And yeah. I, I just, if if there were no other solutions, I could understand. If he were trapped under something, I could understand. But he was literally riding on a column and, like, made a slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Man. <sighs> and part of me is just bitter because I really wanted to see that slingshot thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, whatever. He destroys a building in the middle of the city. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I'm no just, one else was there, so at least there's no casualties. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with like it was scheduled to be like demolished anyway, and they mm-hmm. so he just like saved a lot of money for the city. Maybe I don't know. I do that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Or Very he destroyed strange. a historical landmark, one way or another. <laughs> you know, the stage is still standing, so there's that. I guess. Yay! <laughs> It'll be the new outdoor theater. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, so that happens. Meanwhile, a still very angry Harry returns home. You know, he, he failed his test. Flash is still bullying him. So he's like basically blaming Peter and Flash for causing all of his problems in mm-hmm. school. Um, which Norman's there. He shuts him down completely because it's just like, no, you're like, you have to take responsibility. Um, he says that Harry is in a no, a no whining zone. Um, and that he has to take responsibility and control his own destiny. He tells him, um, related to, uh, who our main character is in this, or main villain is in this episode. He tells him to cowboy up and do what you have to do. Yep. This, uh, this actually does like get through to Harry that he's like, gotta yeah. take 
uh-huh. things into his own hands. And he does, after Norman leaves, he has this like, really uh, kind of creepy smirk and his voice gets all like raspy and deep. And he's like, yeah. thanks, thanks, I will. This really complicates Norman and Harry for me because this is actually as, as direct and as uh, potentially problematic as this could be. This is actually really good advice that Harry is getting from Norman in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable based on the way that we we know Norman treats Harry, but sort of in a different context or in a vacuum. This is like really empowering advice that Harry takes to heart. And then we will see uses. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And then, of course, the fact that Harry uses it at all or identifies it with it at all complicates Harry because up to this point he's been just sort of like a a nice polite sort of you know stereotypical nerd with the nerds Mm -hmm. so being inspired by somebody we know is set to become a villain probably it really does play on that meta and really supports your thesis that you've been sort of building throughout these episodes right right yeah it's it's sort of like it's 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 complicated because it's sort of like you want to root for harry for being like oh yeah well you're kind of taking on some agency for the first time and and you'll actually change things but it's sort of like the advice that you're getting is from someone that we know is kind of a despicable horrible person which we get like really hardly hard reaffirmed in the next scene like immediately after this so Mm mm-hmm Oof! Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's it's real good. Uh, I I like I like how they handle the Osborns um, up to this point for sure. Speaking of, we see Norman right after he's going and he's meeting with Hammerhead of all people, mm-hmm. and he reveals he reveals that he helped them steal this power suit that that became Shocker, um, stole it from a, uh, stole it from a competitor named Tricorp, which is a competitor of Oscorp. And Hammerhead kind of like puts uh, puts the phone on speakerphone so the big man can talk to Norman directly. And and he makes a deal, which is essentially that Oscorp can use all of Big Man's like mooks and people, or will give uh, Osborne um, those mooks as guinea pigs to use in their quote unquote questionable experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as those ex- questionable experiments end up creating these powered supervillains, things like the Vulture and Electro um, and Shocker, things that will distract Spider Man from Big Man's activities. Um, which, as you might expect, Norman's like, yeah, sure, totally, dude. <laughs> they really built themselves a beautiful scenario here. Right? right? Where they don't have to write an origin story for every single type of superhero. They've sort of built everything in and they can inform their, or I said superhero, but supervillains. They don't have to create origin stories for every supervillain. They can just sort of be influenced by who the people are that they are experimenting on, as opposed to having to create a Max Dillon-style event or inciting incident for every single person. Mm-hmm. And this is smart. It's very smart. And if we're thinking of it in terms of the, the arc names, the first arc was biology, and mm-hmm. you have the characters kind of created through accidental like changes to their DNA or whatever, yeah. like kind of an evolution type thing. Um, and then now with this arc, we're establishing that the supervillains created here, like Shocker, and like we'll see in the next episode, are essentially just, even though they're also like technically biological experiments or whatever um, in certain ways, the the goal of them is to move like money forward. It's yeah. just to make money, basically. It's just yeah. to uh, get the big man and, and Osborne to uh, both make some more profit. So it works. I like that Norman Osborn is able to do some of the 
sort of uh, well, we kept referring to it as business drama, but that he gets to little bit do a little bit of that in here, and that it's affecting more than just his own wallet. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's like a grander scale version of him trying to use Hobgoblin or whatever. Because he's mm-hmm. now he's going to be using all these different types of people, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which right. is cool. And he'll be creating them too. So yes, it's, yes. It's, yeah, it's really smartly written. It's so, oh man, it I just things very entangled, which is, yes. which is good. Very, yeah, it's very, it's very tight. And I just like, I would love to have been in the room as the story was broken. Like, <laughs> because man, it's just like the way that, that these characters are so entangled <laughs> so yeah. much. And, like, they were entangled from the beginning, and it's only getting, like, more so the more the show progresses. It's so great. Well, and this forces them towards entanglement. You know, like, none mm-hmm. of this will be coincidental anymore, which I actually think, uh-huh. you know, they've done it in such a way that doesn't make it feel, you know, convoluted or overly complex. They've done it in such a way that makes it feel very natural and sort of weight lifting as opposed to piling more weight on. Yeah, which that's is very, a great very point. Nice. Definitely. So we don't have a whole lot left in here, um, but we do see that Peter has sent his shots of the Shocker fight along, but he's done so with his old camera, um, which is sort of weird at first, but then we realize that he's probably returned it because he offers all of the money he made from the Bugle to Aunt May to help pay the bills. Um, May refuses and says definitely not that's yours or whatever because she's a she's a proud woman you know mm-hmm. but peter sort of insists um and says like no i gotta help and he this is where that quote comes back from shocker um where he says a man has to honor his responsibilities which again is such a it's so interesting is it just like harry finding inspiration from this sort of bizarre bizarre place <laughs> more bizarre in this case because shocker's not his dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But May sort of understands the predicament that we are watching. So she sees that he really, really wants to to help. And he wants to be a part of tackling the family responsibilities. But without even being told, she she realizes, like, no, you, you need that money, too. Like, <laughs> if you're yeah. going to keep taking pictures, if you're going to keep making money at the Bugle, you also need some of that. So they actually make this deal, which I think is kind of cool. She will accept his money and his help as long as he sets aside 10% of each paycheck to save up for a camera, which just supports that he should have talked to her in the first place. Right? Yeah. (laughs) She was so understanding, Peter. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) I know. Uh, it's so it's like your typical teenage drama thing oh, where for it's just sure. like just talk to each other <laughs> oh yeah it's very, it's very natural like it's all yeah, it it's all super sense. believable but it's just like see peter <laughs> <laughs> and aunt may just rules like she yeah she freaking rules like she's yeah, i she's love cool. this aunt may so much and also peter smells like tomato juice now <laughs> yes yes, yes yeah, he, he does he took uh whose advice was that it was a Jameson. Jameson yeah. told him if he ever takes photos at a dump, which I think is kind of cool that Jameson recognized that it wasn't that it was like, oh, obviously you took photos at a dump. I recognize this. I've been through this too, apparently. Yeah. You don't so, just stink because you stink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you stink because you got the shot. Yeah. So, and thus ends that, <laughs> that running gag that was. Thank God. Okay. It wasn't a 
offensive running gag. It was just kind of there. Yeah, (laughs) no, it wasn't offensive, but like you could have entirely cut it out. Yeah, it didn't really. It didn't really. There are things about this show where they have little details that add that kind of color the world, like we talked about before. That's good, but like sometimes it's just like it doesn't really. Yeah, and that's okay. Like you can have jokes for the sake of jokes, but I don't know. Yeah, it didn't work for me. Yeah, it was (laughs) fine, but it just ended up feeling kind of like okay. Like, I'm done with it now. (laughs) Yeah, it lasted as long as I needed it to last, which was entirely contained in one episode. Yeah, (laughs) fair. That's fair. (laughs) So you sort of alluded to these two episodes being weaker, um, but I'm curious to know what you feel about this episode specifically. It's so when I say weaker, it's not in that it's like written any less good than the other ones are. I think really, I mean, this, these are solid episodes because there's mm-hmm. still deep things we can pull. I think it's really just that like how much of it is is really that interesting. And I think sure. like the amount of stuff that is really that interesting compared to especially the last two. I think the last two episodes that we've done, uh, interactions and natural selection are just like kind of top tier episodes anyway so like there's just a lot of the stuff seems to be like kind of just moving the chess pieces a little bit and Mm -hmm. kind of setting things up so there isn't really room for there to be a lot of uh of deeper things to discuss and you know so it's just and and i think it it it, it's also just the simple fact that like montana and shocker while i think it was pretty brilliant to like combine those two characters they're still like not really that interesting. So there's yeah. not really a lot, a lot there to talk about, but they were fine. They were just, they were serviceable. They're just not as strong as the last couple that we've talked about. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I, I don't know how I would have elaborated um, on it. So that I think that is actually helpful in sort of processing it. Cause I don't, I don't know that I would have said that this was like, like uh, an episode I loved or anything like that, but I don't know that I was finding the words for it, you know? Yeah, I so think that makes it's, a lot of sense. It's weird with this show because, like, you know, if you compare this to just 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 the '90s show, where in the first season where it was super episodic, where it was sort of like it was pretty clear you could define a pretty clear line between like what episodes were good and what episodes are bad but like with this one things are so intertwined and like so heavily serialized throughout them that like even if you don't really like what one what one thing happening is like there's so much other stuff happening that like you're gonna find something that you can dig deeper into and like we've talked about this for for a freaking long time anyway so obviously there's a lot of (laughs) stuff to there's a lot of stuff to mine from it you know yeah well i think it's i think with this this episode highlights that there's sort of a foreground for the episode and a background for the episode Episode, yes. And I loved everything in the background and I just wasn't that intrigued by the stuff happening in the foreground. Uh, that's a great way to put it. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. So <laughs> face of the episode. Oh <laughs> my gosh. What so, even? So, I mean, we've talked about squash and stretch, right? Like we talked about in the first episode Ugh. and the show does not, it uses it, but it doesn't really like use it to a, a super exaggerated extent most of the time, except for when J. Jonah Jameson is yelling at Peter from his office um, and he turns into like a Lovecraftian monster. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think you found the line and I think you found two screenshots, one of which is just on the correct, like just barely on the correct side of the line uh-huh. and one that is just way clearly just over the line yes yes i was very intentional with choosing the screenshots that i did there's a close-up where jameson's mouth is opened very wide like a snake or whatever you know Uh it's 
it's it's crazy and it's like super exaggerated but it, i think it works like it's kind of in it's kind of in proportion with what they're doing it's just yes. to be like wow look how loud he's yelling this is it represents like what it feels to peter like hearing his end of this yelling <laughs> it makes sense it's still a crazy face to screen cap yeah. but it makes sense but then there's a wider shot where they're looking oh kind of um God. from behind the doors where we see peter backing away and the mouth is like just just long enough just a little bit too long to just be more a lot more uh nightmarish i would say you just it's (laughs) it's not i would i would say it's stretch done poorly i don't even think it's just like uh that it's gone too far it's like the first one i think in like captures the spirit of what stretch can do Mm -hmm. and the second one was just like what have you done yeah (laughs) Like you've created a monster character here. Cause, I will and I consume think, you all. <laughs> well, part of it is like, okay, in the first one, his mouth gets really big, but all of all of the parts of his face are still clearly defined in the same way they would be if his mouth were closed. Sure. In the second one, there are new angles and joints almost. Like that's oh, how yeah. that's how wide his mouth has opened in that. It's it's almost like if you added an extra elbow to an arm, you know, I, I don't know what if he has like an extra mandible or something, <laughs> but there's just too much there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just too much. And it is terrifying. Oh, it's scary. Very scary. <laughs> I don't like it. But good grab. That is a good, good grab. Thank you. Well, when I saw it happening, I was like, well, there we go. <laughs> I'm not looking any further. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much pretty much captures uh, everything that J. Jonah Jameson is in this episode. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. All right, our next episode: Spectacular Spider-Man, season one, episode five. This episode's called Competition. So we get our synopses per IMDb, <laughs> and the the reason for that is that it's convenient and consistent, but also sometimes they're really um, they're really funny. <laughs> and i should uh, credit where credit's due the the there's like a uh, everything's coming up simpsons podcast whenever they do an episode they always read like the wikipedia entry ice cold um, oh boy sometimes they're written like <laughs> it's usually not mistakes but it'll be like bart simpson son of homer simpson like stuff like that oh geez <laughs> in the case of of imdb since they're all user submitted sometimes right. they'll just pull for press releases sometimes they do not pull from press releases so this is not pulled from a press release what mm. how in the world could you tell <laughs> i'm just gonna read this verbatim just look up the episode you'll hear us talk about it it doesn't matter so synopsis per imdb for the episode competition <laughs> according to mr big's plan to <laughs> To divert Spider-Man, which is without a hyphen, by the way, common Flint Marco, whom he arrested repeatedly, is transformed into a monster, Sandman, who can escape any hold by transforming himself into sand. Meanwhile, Peter risks compromising his cover and break Harry's heart by taking part in the school's American football tryouts. Whoa. (laughs) Although the jocks. Telling. (laughs) Yeah. Although the jocks aren't exactly welcoming nerds. Gwen just hopes Peter will take take her to the formal dance. Hmm. How accurate, how accurate is that description? <laughs> well, it's what's okay. What's fascinating about it is the fact that it's clarified as American football. Yeah. That implies makes... <laughs> that it wasn't an American who wrote this, which is fine. 
But it makes me wonder, like, was this written by someone whose first language isn't English? And if so, what is inspiring them to write the synopses for an English language IMDb page? Yeah, like, I don't want to, I don't mean to, like, make fun of the person. I'm No, actually, I'm, I'm genuinely curious gen- about, wanna, like, like, why they are them. doing them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really, yeah. And, and, and normally when it's like a really bad or confusing IMDb description, there's usually another one. Um, and you will take that instead. But like in this case, this is the only one. So it's like, I mean, you know what, dude, whoever you are, good on you for taking the time to do this, considering no one else is doing it. Yeah. It's, it's just funny. <laughs> no, now. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just, I'm, I want to know who this person is now. Yeah. Cause like if it, if it didn't say there's one word in there if it didn't say american i would just be like what the hell yeah <laughs> um but now i'm now i'm genuinely curious about the the person behind this like there's a story yeah right like, who is this mysterious person writing english language synopses i know <laughs> i know and like i mean you must be a pretty big fan of spectacular spider-man to, yeah. like, <laughs> to do For that real. so there you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going on IMDb and correcting these things that we make fun of. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, a beautiful synopsis, I yeah. would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode originally aired on March 29th, 2008. It was written by Kevin Hops and directed by Troy Adamitis. Mm-hmm, which we've heard those names before. So yes. look at our last episode to hear more about them. But the major character that's spotlighted in this episode, we've seen him multiple times before. We were just talking about him last time, but yeah. we're going to talk about him for real now. So Flint Marco, our favorite crook in the uh, green striped <laughs> sweater, also by this episode going by the name Sandman, is portrayed by someone we have also talked about in past episodes before. Yes. portrayed by John DiMaggio, Man with a very beautiful voice that I love so much. Yes. John DiMaggio um, is like top five voice crushes for me. Seriously. Seriously. It's just, uh, a, it's like very distinct, but it's also just very good. It really is. He, and he's good. He's really good in this episode too. Yeah. He's best known for Bender and Futurama for which he won an Annie award. He's also Jake the dog in Adventure Time and Marcus Phoenix in the Gears of War video games. And that's just, those are like kind of the main things he's done tons of stuff guys like he's done so much you've heard him you know his voice he's uh, aquaman and batman brave and the bold which is really fun it's one of my favorite credits of his (laughs) yeah not necessarily the character just the fact that he is aquaman i know right it's actually it's pretty kind of ingenious casting for that yeah whoever thought of that deserves a raise And in more Spider-Man stuff, he is the Jackal in the current 2017 Spider-Man animated series, which is interesting. He's also Schnitzel and Chowder and a number of characters in various Ben 10 and Transformers properties. And like, you know, like everybody else, he is in many, 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 many other things. Oh, yes. Did you ever watch Chowder? I did not. He plays a character named Schnitzel, as we mentioned, but literally the only thing Schnitzel ever says is Rada. So it's literally just John DiMaggio being like, Rada, 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 for like entire episodes. <laughs> it totally, that totally like suits him though. I yeah. Don't really... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Schnitzel's like a rock monster. So I don't uh, like, <laughs> it, it fits, but it's just hilarious to me that like he says one word. <laughs> over and over and it's like it's a vin diesel doing groot <laughs> yeah oh, that's <laughs> yeah it's it's great no he's he's fantastic and um you know he is 
He's a voice actor who does have an incredibly distinct voice, but the more roles that you hear him voice acting for, the more you realize that like he's not getting hired just because he has a distinct voice. He's really talented. Yeah. And despite the fact that you can kind of always tell it's him based on the texture of his voice and sort of um, the depth of his voice, he doesn't play every character the same. And I think... Like, a good example would be to compare the way he plays Aquaman to the way he plays Jake the dog. Like, they're distinctly different characters. Um, yeah. Flint Marco, even, it's almost like like I hear Bender, but it's it's not exactly the same. It's like a toned-down, less extreme version of that that's clearly distinct. Um, and it, it's, I don't know, I, I just... I. I'm very, very uh, obviously enamored with his voice. But, like, I just admire the fact that... that uh, you know, he's just, he's so talented. Kind of like a, a Grey Delisle almost, where it's like, she could probably yeah. just talk into a microphone if she wanted to, but she's just incredibly talented. He feels yeah. the same way, where it's like, he has a unique voice. They could hire him just to do what he does, but he's he's still an actor. He's a legit good performer, yeah. Yeah. And he really yeah. clearly, I mean, he seems to understand the characters that he's playing. Like you said, Sandman could easily just be Bender again. He even talks about like his big score all the time. Yeah. Like that's a Bender thing. So right. it's funny. And, and so it's really cool to hear. There's like a little bit of like, I don't know. There's almost like a little bit of like softness that he gives to Sandman in this, which yeah. is weird because he's not like portrayed sympathetically or anything. No. But he just is a, like a little bit like softer and more toned, like you said, kind of more toned down than a Bender type character is. And it really works in this. Well, it's interesting to me because it makes me wonder one of the things John DiMaggio's voice is known for is that texture you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like he just has a very very specific texture to his voice that's gruff and gravelly but when you listen to a character like Flint Marco it's not constant like it is with a Jake or a Bender yeah in the same way that like Aquaman it's not just like a constant gravel so it really makes me wonder like I don't actually know what John DiMaggio's neutral voice is. Mm-hmm. And I, I really want to look it up because I don't know how much of that is like exaggerated and how much of it is, or how much of it is restrained. Sure. You know? Like, is he trying to add gravel or take gravel away <laughs> when he does different roles? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Probably both. Yeah, probably. You know, it's funny. I've definitely heard his neutral voice because I've listened to like all the Futurama commentaries. But now that we're talking about it, it's been it was it's been like 15 years ago now. So I don't really remember. But I think I feel like his Sandman voice is probably pretty close to like what his normal voice is, because there's even points when we hear Sandman talking that I kind of forgot that it was John DiMaggio at certain points because he because of that lack of gravel that he has sometimes. So, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, (laughs) Next episode, we're literally just talking about John DiMaggio. Get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, well, let's let's get into this episode. So, yeah. So this this is a good one. We'll still get lots of John DiMaggio talking this, I'm sure. Yes. So the episode opens with some nighttime web slinging, like usual. And also, like so many times before, Spider-Man foils another Marco and O'Hearn burglary. However, (laughs) unlike before... Now they're both released from jail, like, pretty quickly. Yep. Um, they get released from jail through the grace and large pockets of the big man. Mm-hmm. So they're met, they're met outside of the police building with a limo. It's occupied by our favorite pupil-having guy, Hammerhead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he welcomes them to the big time. Yes, we've sort of seen this build up. Because we know that they've been hired by the big man before, but this is interesting because they're being sort of treated like insiders now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is interesting. 
Which, you know, consequence of the deal that Osborne made, question mark, period. We know that that's going to be the case. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Anywho, the next day, Peter is fooling around in his room. He's using like a stack of cans, basically for web shooting target practice, but I actually think it's just being a teenager, like he's just having fun. Yeah. And uh, Aunt May knocks on the door and Peter's like, oh, shoot, like there's web everywhere. (laughs) uh, I got to do something about this. So he... He remedies the mess that he's made by basically, like, webbing all of the clutter in his room to the ceiling, um, (laughs) which somehow May totally misses when she walks into the room. Um, But Peter's like, oh, I tidied up my room. I just needed to uh, clean up a little bit. She's, like, blown away. She's like, wow, this room is so clean. How did you do this? Is everything under the bed? Um, no, Aunt May, it's like two feet above you. <laughs> so I, funny. I love I, it. I feel like this whole thing is kind of a reference to the first Spider-Man movie because that movie has him <laughs> practicing his webbing on cans, mm-hmm. Dr. Pepper cans in that case, because it was product placement. Yep. And also is another case of people just not, not seeing the ceiling of a room yep. <laughs> where someone's hiding. Yep. <laughs> I like that into the Spider-Verse, uh, well, I guess he's not called Gonke, but he is. Um, actually sees them on the ceiling. Like, yeah. That's a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's hide. And it's just like, no, any person who walks into a room is going to see something <laughs> yes. gigantic on the freaking ceiling unless it's like 12 feet high. Like, it's, it's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, in any case, Aunt May is like very, very impressed uh, by his clean room um, and compounded with a sort of streak of responsibility in making his curfew and obviously helping with the bills and caring about that sort of stuff. She is inclined to restore a previous curfew agreement i did okay i have a question for you yeah at what point did she restrict the curfew further because she says that they are going back to 10 p.m with phone calls at the end of the lizard episode when peter like right went around when peter's like all pissed and everything and wants to drink the gene cleanser and stuff i think she restricted it to nine o'clock okay 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 so it wasn't like super drastic or anything no okay um, so yeah, so he's getting a little bit more leniency here. It's sort of a reward for being responsible. Also, I want to add that one of the, uh, in Peter's clutter and the webbing on a ceiling, one of those things is just like a giant spring, just like a bare <laughs> spring. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> have you, have you read, um, any Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan comics? Uh-uh. No, I have not. One of my favorite things is is they just add ridiculous things to the background. Ooh, fun. And I wish that more comics and cartoons did that. <laughs> <laughs> like just nonsensical things like a spring, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, endlessly yeah. entertained by stuff like that. I, I love it. <laughs> um, well, amongst this clutter, one of the things that falls out of it is actually a flyer for the, uh, the, the that fall formal dance, um, which Aunt May sees Peter holding. And, and she's like, what's that? What's going on with that? What's that? Uh, and Peter is like, I don't have a date, so I'm not going to go. And May, again, suggests Mary Jane Watson, mm-hmm. which, you know, of course, prompts the whole, like, oh, wonderful personality thing. <laughs> Let's go, Peter. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, I do like that. Like when Peter's talking about not having a date, she's just like, "Oh, you lead such a sheltered life." Like she wants him to get some uh, some yeah. girlfriend action. Like she's totally down for him going out with his friend and having a girlfriend. So yeah, that's this kinda is cool. 
this is like a good balanced May where like she is concerned about him. She cares about him. She tries to take care of him. She's interested and invested in his life, but it's not from an overprotective standpoint. It's, um, it's actually from like an encouraging and empowering standpoint. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, a very sort of mature, uh, like guardianship standpoint where she is like making, you know, reasonable deals with him, but still exerting authority when he doesn't hold up his his end um, is concerned that he's like a shut in. Like it's, it's, it's all very good. I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I do. Don't be a nerd, Peter. You got a, got a girlfriend. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, but when, <laughs> when she mentions the sheltered life thing, we get another, I didn't, I didn't even remember that this ever happened again. We get yeah. another of the, that little flash, like we saw in the pilot of uh, Peter's like half spider mask coming up just to be like, yeah. don't forget he's Spider-Man. <laughs> I know. I like that. That's such a specific thing. Like, okay. Anytime, somebody mentions that he's boring and doesn't do anything make sure you remind the audience that he's spider-man <laughs> right right <Okay>, thanks <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> so you know aunt may wants him to get a girlfriend mm-hmm. elsewhere um we see that hammerhead is now taking marco to uh it's sort of unidentified underground location i think that this is later revealed to be the same location that is a body shop that also might be the same location we've seen in previous episodes. Like it would make sense. Like I don't think there's anything that disproves that or anything. So I think yeah. that, I think that's fair. But it also would seem like this should be Oscorp, but I it's not because they mm, yeah. they show the exterior of the building later. Anyway, I am thinking about it far too much. Um, <laughs> Hammerhead takes Marco to this place like that's secret because their car like goes underground and tells him that the big man has been watching Marco. Uh, Marco, this is like very exciting for him because uh, he's like, oh, my gosh, I get to meet the big man. Uh, but Hammerhead shuts him down pretty quickly and says no one no one meets the big man. <laughs> Furthering the mystery of the big man. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, after that, back at school, Peter sits down between Harry and Gwen. Of course, they initially ignore him. Um, Gwen is like infinitely peeling that orange. Oh like... my gosh! And it like unpeels itself. <laughs> yeah. Or she yeah. just eats twelve oranges. I know. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> So whatever reality warping thing is happening there, Uh Peter does apologize to them for being a terrible friend, but they're both kind of like, they're both, they're both pretty forgiving of him. So Harry does quickly forgive Peter. It's just like, yeah, so, you know, it's cool. I, 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 you, you couldn't study with me, whatever. I'll study myself. Um, And Gwen, and you know, Gwen, Gwen warms up to him too. And just then they hear an announcement uh, from the coach of uh, Midtown High, whatever it's called. Um, He announces over the school PA that the football team will be holding emergency tryouts. I think it's like one of their... One of the team members like flunked out. Another one like got injured or something like that. So yeah, it was they have injured, a bunch of and I think we them. later find out that it. I think Kenny is the one who did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that they explicitly connect those dots, but I think they do implicitly. Yeah. So either way, there's like two, definitely two spots on the football team now that they need like ASAP. Harry's gonna jump at the opportunity, which is which is surprising to his friends, um, considering you know to to most people he's kind of a wiener, but he's <laughs> he's feeling real confident and taking his father's words to heart about the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and he suggests Peter join him for moral support. And while Peter does initially reject the idea, we see a little bit later that uh, somehow like Flash being tables like a table that was very far away from theirs 
completely overheard the, this conversation. Like, I mm-hmm. guess, I guess Harry was yelling out going to the football team. I don't know. He, he heard it. So then Peter later overhears Flash, who having overheard Harry is wanting to like make fun of Harry and, and figuring and like Kenny is like, Oh yeah, I'm going to use him as my, as my like tackling dummy or whatever. So yeah. Peter... Cause the last one broke, which is why <laughs> I think he's the one who destroyed his teammate. Yeah. This seems Kenny... like a bad strategy. If you want to win, Right? <laughs> I really love, like, the Kenny in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. This Kenny is kind of just a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> like, through and through. Kenny, so far, not complex. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, Peter is good to Harry. Like, he's a good... he's. For, for the mistakes that he has made with them, he is very defensive of Harry. So yeah. he, he decides to kind of to, to try out with Harry just so he can be there to kind of help him out and be support for him. Right, right. Um, we do cut back to Hammerhead and Flint Marco after this. There's a little bit of cutting back and forth, but it's not too egregious this time around. So um, nothing nearly as bad as, um, gosh, what which episode was it? The that one Frump time? episode? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> Everything ha- like, comes back uh, to the Frump episode doesn't it 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 really does (laughs) frump is the truest reality we can't we can't avoid it yep (laughs) anyway we do cut back to hammerhead and marco and we see that dr otto octavius the return of otto so excited is using his robot arms to restrain uh and connect monitoring equipment to a totally butt-ass naked flint marco (laughs) i know right he is wearing no clothing it's wild and it's it's clear that he's wearing no clothing. Uh-huh, yeah. They do lots of creative little shots to, uh-huh. to, to obscure it, but it's pretty clear. They which... go as far down in, in the back as they can without showing butt crack, and then uh-huh. when they show front, there's, like, like fogged glass in front yep. of it. So, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what that is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against it. Yeah, I do this is like all while just... Otto Octavius is, like, restraining him with his tentacle arms yeah just, like imagine if you're you just know. sitting there in an open room <laughs> in an open room like like in like restraints and you're just like standing there just totally naked af and knowing that everyone is looking at you yeah and then this guy's <laughs> coming at you with the robot tentacles i know right it's just like okay i feel a little bad for you buddy uh-huh marco <laughs> actually handles it really well and is just like hey what's up with the arms doc like, yeah. like that's that's how he asks yeah. <laughs> not yeah. worried at all yeah. um but we do sort of get the first i mean this is our first exposure to the dr octopus side of otto octavius because prior to this he was just like his little nerdy self the no, no no robot arms mm-hmm. it's still innocent at this point they're still just a device and a tool for him um for the most part um but he says that the arms allow him to multitask and to manipulate difficult objects and here's what i think may be telling in the future or at least provide some insight into Otto octavius's psyche to maintain a safe distance uh, which I think does sort of inform his character thus far or support it either way. Yeah. Because he's very timid. He's sort of a nervous, anxious character. The fact that he thinks of his arms as a sort of protection makes me very, very excited to see what he will be like when he finally becomes Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that's weird about his arms that I'm noticing so far is that they, despite not being explicitly like 
linked to well okay how do i phrase this okay so in in spider-man 2 they need to be inhibited right so that he can control them and when they when the inhibitor chip is broken Mm. um they begin to exert influence over him so we're to understand that they have some sort of sentience or at least motivation right we haven't gotten anything to indicate that yet but his tentacles never stop moving yeah, that's true. That's a they good are point. Always moving. And I don't love it, but I'm very intrigued by that. Right. Okay. So anyway, put a, that's put more a pin in that for later. Yeah, that's more auto Octavius <laughs> than we need right now, but what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Have you listened to our podcast before? <laughs> so real. <laughs> um Yeah. It's not about Octavius this time. It's about Marco. Um and <laughs> Dr. Octavius explains what they are planning to do with Marco, which, as he describes it, is to create a subdermal silicon armor by infusing Marco with millions of microscopic silicon granules. Um, These are his exact words, because what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I'm curious of, like, what the end result would be if this experiment was, like, 100% successful in what they wanted, because what? (laughs) Like, I don't understand at all. So, okay, so it's weird, because they say that this this subdermal, which should mean under the skin, by the way, (laughs) yeah, will give Marco the ability to avoid detection by metal detectors specifically and make him essentially invincible or bulletproof or i think they use the word um what do they say uh impervious right impervious Impervious. yeah 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 Yeah. um so it sounds like he shouldn't appear any different than he was before he would basically just be bulletproof and undetectable right that's sort of my understanding that's what i got because yeah that's what i gleaned from it because i've seen other it other types of things like this my only only i'm sure there's a better example but the only thing i think of there's like a a lot of late era smallville where they have like a like these subdural like nanites that mm. gave like lana like basically uh, superman type powers oh and i feel like it's sort of a similar thing to that but the thing is like it's it's not explicitly called like nanites so it's not like little robots no if it's, it's just not even silicon, it's just silicon granules, and I don't understand yeah. how that's going to do anything, you know? So so it, it's like they were trying to build an undetectable microscopic armor. Maybe I... when they when they say he is not able to maybe when they say like the metal detection thing, it's 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 more to imply like you have armor that isn't detected by metal detectors. Like you will always. Oh yeah, have... not that like he's invisible. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. not that like he can just show up with a gun and that's like that, and that's not detected. <laughs> like that wouldn't make sense. Which is what I was thinking at first. I was just like, how does that work? But yeah, yeah no, so actually, I guess that makes so much like, sense. That's just like an asset of a silicon subdermal armor that no one can see mm. that you're wearing armor. You're invincible because they try to like pierce your skin. Or they're just going to hit these special silicon granules or whatever. Um, but then also no one will ever know that you have armor because you can't be detected on anything with them. That's interesting. So that means he's technically not sand, right? I guess. I mean, I guess so. sand can be made of any number of materials, but yeah, typically I don't know when what... you think of sand, you think of glass sand. He's not glass sand. He's silicon I sand? I guess so. Weird. <laughs> I guess I <don't> so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's interesting that they've thought this so much further than we're typically used to thinking of it. Yeah. I dig yeah. it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a better. I mean, it's it's a better attempt than like what Spider Man Three was doing too. Yeah, so, I mean, I've I, never thought about Sandman this much. So good on them. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 
Uh, well, we'll get back to that in a little bit. Um, in the meantime, we get a we get a, a scene at the school football field um, where the coach, uh, like we said, announces that he only has two spots. But we see a handful of the hopefuls. It's a whole montage where they're competing a bunch of drills, um, which you know includes Harry and and Peter um, and Flash and Kenny do attempt to like rig these drills that they're doing in favor of their friend Hobie Brown, um, who they do want on the team. But to the surprise of Flash, Kenny, and a whole bunch of all lookers harry and peter actually perform really well so after practice harry and peter actually like receive praise from the coach and i think he even like implies that like they're probably going to be the ones on the team not hobie Mm -hmm. and um there was like during a point when the drill was going on like kenny like i think attempts to trip up uh he attempts to trip up peter um but then peter like you know being spider-man just like does his little acrobatics over it but his girlfriend glory who's there watching does see like this attempt so when when the, this is all well and done glory like calls him out on like not playing fair during these tryouts i love glory and i am trying to very quickly look up her voice actress mm. i can tell you it is cree summer who has okay perfect been that's who i everything, love everything everything yes. i love her voice so much she's great oh my gosh that's like a total like a, a whole nother voice crush she her voice yeah. is so good she is yes and again it's a it's a one another one of those things where it's like kind of a thankless role but like mm-hmm. just just being someone who's a really like kind of prominent voice actor lends a lot to this role like because in this episode this is her first appearance yeah and she doesn't really get a lot to do but like the little she does is pretty important to this kind of side story that's happening yeah. so having a talented voice actor that is with a pretty recognizable voice i think is is really helpful to making that work yeah oh she's so great Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's not having Kenny's bullshit at all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. (laughs) Someone needs to tell him. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, after we we get a little bit of the football field and the the, uh, tryouts and stuff, we cut back to the lab where Dr. Octavius is expressing to Norman Osborn, who's decided to show up, that he's actually nervous about the procedure that they're planning to perform on Marco. Um, He basically says they haven't tested it before, to which Norman responds, this is the test. Um, (laughs) He's such a bastard. (laughs) For real, what a dick. Um, And uh, I think think Octavius even says, like, this is not state-of-the-art equipment or it's not well-maintained equipment or something, like alluding to the fact that they're doing this in a warehouse somewhere right as opposed to actually oscorp uh still don't know why but he's basically nervous he's he's predicting that something will go wrong um Mm -hmm. and certainly he's right uh osborne insists that they go forward with the experiment and the procedure and it goes wrong and we get this really really uh horrifying sequence uh sort of in the same same family <laughs> of stylings as the uh, lizard stuff where Marco's uh, body just sort of bloats until uh, it seemingly explodes yeah. into just like a still pile of sand. It's, I mean, it's another, like, I mean, we compared the lizard thing to like Akira before. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of from that same school where it's just like yep. these, like they're, they're making the body proportions like they're they're utilizing like the body proportions to like expand them and 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 play with them and and stretch them to like this this kind of unnerving extent yep. that makes it just like horrifying to watch like his eyes are bulging out of his head yeah and he's like his his flesh is like simultaneously 
turning into sand, but also bubbling in a way. Yeah. It's real, it's real gross. And then it's sort of magnified. Like the, the horror of it all is magnified by the fact that, you know, they stopped the experiment and Otto Octavius, even, even after he said like, we need to stop Norman Osborn is like, no, 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 keep going. And so when it goes wrong, Otto is like, what do we do? And Osborn literally tells them to sweep it up and move on. <laughs> God, he's, I love how what? awful he is. Oh God. He's just a disgusting. He's human. so ready to just like dump the, like this guy into the trash. I know it's crazy. Ugh. Oh my God. You gotta Did love you... to hate somebody, I guess. Yeah. I mean, going into this show, you ha- could not have expected like how much like body horror, like to this extent. No, but I freaking it. love it. It's oh my so gosh. Good. It's so good. Oh, and you know, another cool thing about this, this whole scene, it's so distinct. There's like a, that, um, that old, like 50 sci-fi sound. I don't you know. The, the name of the instrument is a theremin. Like that, like, ooh, yeah. sound is playing like throughout this entire thing, which is so distinct <laughs> to this one scene. I like that. Um, it's so cool. And so, and uh, like, just like so unique. Those instruments are cool. Have you ever seen like those instruments in real life? Is it like the, um, it's not like the saw, but it's similar to that, right? It's, I mean, it's like an electric thing where you're just like hovering your hand over it. Oh, it's that. Okay. I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. But yeah, so it's using that. I guess it's worth calling out too. I mentioned, I mentioned this in the last episode, but like the composer of this, I always felt like the, the vibe, like the vibes that I got from this show from the music were like, that's really similar to like the Justice League music. Mm -hmm. It's because it's the same composer. It's like Lolita, Lolita Ritmanis is at least one of the composers on the show. So like that kind of guitar that you always hear, the electric guitar in this is like, that's totally her. And that's pulled like, Super similar to the Justice League Unlimited score. Interesting. Very but cool. I, yeah, and I love when they do these little things like that kind of old school sci-fi music from the theremin for this, which is just like totally unnecessary, but kind of works for that kind of creepy science experiment vibe that they're going yeah. for. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved this sequence. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as like drawn out as the lizard stuff, um, but oh my gosh, was it like... Mm really really grotesque (laughs) yes it's real affecting for sure oh yeah 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 well we do see that his body reforms not short or not too long after um and it's revealed that he has survived um and with abilities he didn't anticipate obviously considering he was a pile of sand and was able to reform (laughs) his body (laughs) they did not expect that (laughs) not at all Uh He's obviously like totally horrified by this. He doesn't know what happened to him or what to do next. Um, as as many body horror situations go, <laughs> <laughs> similar to like a uh, electro type thing, like what do I do now? Right. Uh, what do I do with this? But Hammerhead actually tells him later in back in the limo, like actually it's not that bad, dude. Like you still have powers, which is awesome, and you could actually use those powers to get revenge on Spider-Man. And at first Marco's like, hell yeah, and then has this moment of realization where he's like, wait, no, I don't actually care about Spider-Man that much. I could use these powers to actually get the big score like that I've been talking about. I love that. I love that thought process because it's just like, it makes him a pretty unique villain, I feel like, because he's just like, his motivations are so like basic and so like low level. It's just like, no, I mean, you know, he's a dude, whatever. I want to, I want to get my money. I don't care about Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, it makes him a much lower profile criminal to Mm -hmm. not be publicly feuding with another superpowered being. 
Yeah. You know, like he might he might have superpowers, but he's still only attempting burglary and robbery. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have like aspirations of taking over the world or murder right. or anything. <laughs> right. Which I so. mean kind of makes him a little more you know, a little bit more like likable and more sympathetic. Because yeah. it's just like yeah. no, he's not really he's not really actually out to hurt anybody. He just wants wants stuff. Who doesn't just want some stuff? Cash money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, after this this little it's hard to even call it a disagreement really, but um it does sort of escalate where he's like he has this moment of realization and then is like, I'm not going to be anybody's puppet. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go rob some banks, basically. He just, this is this is a little dramatic, like <laughs> blasts the door off the limo and then dramatically sandifies and like blows away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks cool, though. <laughs> it does look cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the sand effect of how they do it, where there's mm-hmm. always this kind of like staticky effect to whatever like to the sand like to make it i guess always look like there's always granules of sand on it it's really yeah. neat it's very it's it's very very cool yeah um well after after marco breaks out um, osborne we find out is also in the limo in the he's front. just been chilling there in the passenger seat <laughs> it's funny like the window just rolls out he's like so hey what happened there um, <laughs> he's actually like impressed at hammerhead being so calm about this i'm also impressed at norman osborne being calm about it but yeah, uh, right? why am i surprised <laughs> but hammerhead's like hey you know he was always supposed to be a distraction for spider-man if he's just out there doing his thing he's gonna be a distraction for spider-man so right it all works out in the end Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, pretty shortly after there, it seems, uh, Spider-Man is on a rooftop somewhere, musing to himself about the tryouts, um, and here's an alarm sound, which, surprise, it's Marco. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Spider-Man responds once again to a Marco burglary um, and is like, dude, come on, like, again? <sighs> but Marco quickly reveals that he has powers to Spider-Man and he also reveals in their fight that there is someone called the big man. I love it because it's totally like Spider-Man's been trying for like the past couple episodes to like figure out where all these guys are coming from. Yeah. And like it's just totally by accident. He's just like, yeah, with the big man around. Like, big man? Who's the big man? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like excuse me? Wait, hold on. Repeat. Like, uh, 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 you know, he's just, whatever. Forgot I said that. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's good. It's good. Yeah. And the the fight is really well done. Like, it's a really, yeah. extr- this whole episode, I think, is really well animated. Like, all the facial expressions are good throughout it. But the the way that, um, that Spidey fights with Sandman, like, also in Spider-Man 3, I think, showed, like, how cool these fights can be with a, with a character with his, his power set. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, like, his kind of, like, uh... Like when Spidey like kind of does that sweep kick on him, and then that knocks yes. Spider that knocks Sandman down, but then uh. Sandman is still just up and hits him with the mallet or whatever. Like it's all just really well done and really well choreographed. Yeah, I really really like their choreography and their animation for this. I um, you know, Sandman was never a villain that I really liked as a kid, and I think a lot of it was because I was never really seeing very much inspired fight sequences with him. But I, I did feel like I was getting that from, like, Clayface in Batman. So I always was sort of like, Clayface is so much cooler. Like, But this really does Sandman and his powers justice, for sure. Mm-hmm. He uses his 
sand powers almost as like tentacles. Like, yeah, it's crazy. The show likes tentacles. <laughs> it really does, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he he in sort of a similar way to how Kurt Connor's flesh sort of like exploded into tendrils and then formed into an arm. Sandman's sand sort of does the same thing and almost like it acts in a way that like the Venom symbiote often acts. Mm, yeah. Um, but not that I am used to seeing Sandman act. Sandman tends to be more like blunt, right? And we see that right. with like the hammers and the mace and stuff like that. But this this adds a little bit of finesse to his fighting style. Yeah, it's cool and it makes it it mean it makes the the fighting sequences that much more interesting. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, as they're fighting, um, for the first time in this show, not the first time in Spider-Man, uh, and especially not in the 90s show, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the first time in this show, Spidey actually runs out of web fluid mm-hmm. right in the middle of the battle. So um, because of that, Marco is able to actually like escape through the sewer grate, um, although <laughs> he realizes like he can't take his money with him so when he turns good. into sand. <laughs> like, we just hear him as after he's disappeared like into the grate like for, a, for it's like a beat, and then he's like, oh, man, my money uh-huh. which is just like sitting there on the street it's it's good <laughs> it's very good i really like the sound that they use when he like pours himself into the sewer yeah that's true it's, it's good they use some very cool sand sound effects yeah yeah they do just a thing <laughs> to listen for if you didn't the first time you know <laughs> yeah yeah i'll have to listen to that next time it's sure. very cool uh well the next day peter tells himself you know, I'm going to forget about those football tryouts. I'm going to pursue Sandman instead. Like, that's what I need to be focusing on. But <laughs> when Liz Allen rolls up and is like, oh, Peter, I saw how well you did at the tryouts. Peter's like, eh, I guess I could do the tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Petey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we get a little bit more straightforwardly that Peter is not just like entertaining Liz Allen, but is like, attracted to liz allen yeah i mean (laughs) and clearly like infatuated yeah well and liz clearly has something something going on for him like she has some kind of like appreciation or i wouldn't call it an infatuation yet but like she's being flirty with him in a way that you're only flirty with someone if you like have some kind of connection with them you know this show does a much better job than a lot of uh iterations of spider-man in handling the fact that there are a number of women in peter's life Mm -hmm. that are in some way drawn to him it's just so much better handled because peter isn't aloof all the time and the women aren't just like thirsty you know girls like chasing after him all the you know what i mean like yeah like if you think back to the 60s comics it's literally like peter's oblivious to everyone around him <laughs> and there's like three separate women who are like oh i just wish he would notice me i love right. him so much and this doesn't fall into that trap at all it's like yeah peter is attracted to different girls to different degrees and mm-hmm. these different girls are drawn to him in different ways and so it yes. feels very normal <laughs> yeah it's all for as opposed very different to just reasons. like uh we worship peter of course <laughs> right 
Right. Yeah. And I like that each time any anybody that anytime someone's into him, we can pretty clearly like track like why they are in the first place. We yeah. know Gwen we know why Gwen is, like, because they've been friends for a long time. It's probably mm-hmm. been like a long standing infatuation. But we also saw the moment when Liz started seeing him as a person and maybe right. started being like, Oh, maybe he's a little cute. Like yeah. yeah. So I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, well, uh so yeah, so Peter's like oh, I guess I'll try out after all. So we cut to the second day of tryouts and we see more of the same. It's another montage, same, same background music and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, uh, Kenny and Flash are going easy on Hobie while even though they're not going easy on Harry and Peter, they're still actually performing really well. But throughout this montage, we also get little scenes of Sandman f- pulling off various burglaries and heists. So mm-hmm. um, we see that like if Peter was not focusing on tryouts, maybe he could be saving people from some money that was getting robbed yep yep choices buddy choices <laughs> yep it's not particularly subtle here like yeah. we can see what he could have been doing right right <laughs> well after the tryouts we get a little bit more straightforward feedback from the coach um, instead of just praising peter and harry he specifically says you know i'm leaning towards parker for first string and osborne as second string which really bums harry out because he's already being compared to peter pretty constantly and to his face by his dad. Mm -hmm. So then to try out for something that he's specifically interested in and to be bested by his buddy who wasn't that interested, like that sucks. I get it. It sucks a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Peter does kind of recognize this, I think, because um, in the next scene, like both of them are invited to actually hang out with the jock crowd. Like they're actually kind of open to, uh, to, to to having like the nerds with them because since they're doing so well in football and while Harry is like accepts like he's totally gung-ho about it Peter does decide not to uh, which I think is a really mature thing for Peter to do at this point he instead actually decides to ride the bus with Gwen instead mm-hmm. they actually get to use this opportunity one-on-one to have a direct conversation about Peter's behavior a couple episodes ago. And so Peter apologizes specifically to Gwen this time, as opposed to sort of generally to to the two of his friends. And he goes so far as to promise to not put taking pictures for the bugle above their friendship. Um, And I think this is more effective with Gwen because it's more specifically the slight that he committed against her. And so she says like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I forgive you. Like (laughs) I get it. I get that you get it. Um, And then she also throws in this sort of like, (laughs) like, with some trademark snark um, that uh, of course she forgives him because it would, it would take too long to train anyone else. <laughs> God, I love Gwen so much. She's so good. Oh, she's so good. It's such a good line too. <laughs> and it's like, it's sort of quiet too, but it's definitely like loud enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they, they move on from this conversation to talking about the dance. And this is really where we get, Oof. I think like, Pretty straightforward confirmation that Gwen isn't just disappointed that Peter gets attention from other people, but that she wants that attention between the two of them. So she starts to talk about the dance and is presumably building up to asking Peter if he will join her, but he kind of keeps interrupting the conversation, not necessarily like in a conscious way, just sort of in a inconsiderate but still on topic way if that makes any sort of sense so he says like oh yeah the dance that's right yeah actually i invited betty brandt 
and Gwen's like, oh, okay, and, like, tries to play it off like she's interested and, like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Well, have fun with Betty then. Um, But Peter's like, but she turned me down, so I guess I'm just uh, – and then Gwen's like, oh, that's cool, so maybe – and he's like, but I guess I just won't go. <laughs> so, like, oh every time she starts to get close, he's like, well, I invited somebody else. Well, but she turned me down. But I guess I'm it's it's stupid anyway. <laughs> oh, Peter, you moron. <laughs> I know. So oblivious. So oblivious. But I also, like, I want to be like, Gwen, just, like, spit it out. Just, like, just spit it out. I know. <laughs> just she's not, I mean, the she's, me. <laughs> she's not without fault here either. And, yeah. and and there's also the extra layer where Peter is was under the understanding that Harry was thinking of taking Gwen That's to the formal, true. too. So, yeah. like, in his head, he's just seeing her as his friend who, like, there's there's no inclination for why that would ever be his responsibility to ask her out. So, like, I get it. It just sucks. Well, and, <laughs> and in the past two episodes, that's one of the more considerate things he's done for Harry. <laughs> like, True. Harry's interested in asking Gwen, so I'm not going to ask Gwen. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And no matter what, he's also he's also been proven to be kind of oblivious in all of these situations yeah. anyway. So it's like... I did think that's where it was going to go, though. I thought that she was going to ask him and he was going to say yes, and then Harry was oh. going to be further pissed. Oh. So I was kind of surprised that didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been interesting, actually. Oh, Since God. Since there's been this buildup, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and he's, he's been so oblivious to his uh, friend's needs, Harry specifically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that I wouldn't have been surprised if that's what had happened next. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But it's less less cringy than that. Yeah. Now <laughs> Luckily. He's, right. Now it's just your standard unrequited love. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Well, nearby, a car collision occurs, um, mm-hmm. as they often do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Peter is like, Peter is like, oh, I need to uh, to be Spider Man. I mean, uh, get photos for the bugle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he does, he does catch himself. He's like, yep. oh, I just promised that I want to put friends first. But Gwen's like, nah, dude, it's cool. Like, it's a car crash. You want to you, you do it? Just do it. Just yeah. Do it. Um, so because Gwen's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. He uh, he suits up as Spidey and confronts Sandman in a stolen truck. But of course, when Peter punches Sandman away from the uh, driver's seat, that means that no one is driving. So, <laughs> so the truck just like runs off the side of the road into a construction site. Yeah, they, they kind of play on the fact that Peter is is pretty oblivious at this point in his <laughs> yeah. his life, not just his yeah. career as Spider-Man. <laughs> yep. The fight kind of goes on for like probably a whole 15 seconds before Sandman's like, hey, buddy. If I'm not driving, who's driving? <laughs> yeah. And and speaking and we were speaking earlier of like cool ways to use the Sandman powers, he like grows us an arm of sand out of his face yeah. to punch Spider-Man. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Oh, it's great. Oh, my God. It's so creative. <laughs> oh, very, very good. And and this, we do end up getting, like, two pretty pretty cool fight sequences uh, even further as a result of this. Um, they do end up in a construction site. This show is really careful about where it where it has its fight sequences, and True. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good it's like, point. Yeah, instead of just, like, you know, nondescript warehouses that all look the same. <laughs> cough, cough, 90 show. <laughs> Or quarries, Power Rangers. They find creative locations where they can kind of, you know, 
not put other people in harm's way. Although yeah. there are construction workers there. Yeah, well, that's that. It becomes. I mean, they they specifically have a couple of of little scenes. Um, mm-hmm. it's after this, but like where the cops end up kind of roping it off because they're just like, yeah. we can't, we can't do anything about this. So let them. Yeah, fight I it like out here. that. Uh, yeah, it's great. They, yeah, they say like, um, we're cordoning this off, and I think they even say like. And we got to pray that Spider-Man can handle him. You know? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Cool. Oh, cool bit of trivia. I forgot to mention this in the last one. So that that cop, the, the guy cop, I, I think anytime we ever hear a male cop talking, it's always Stan Carter, pretty much. Yeah. He is voiced by Tom Wilson, who was Biff in Back to the Future. Oh. Yeah. And he's also a Gargoyles character. He's Matt, he's, uh, Matt Bluestone <laughs> in Gargoyles. So. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Another Another just like. Just for both cops, it's just like people that you had no need to get anyone that yeah. did, like that like well known, but Gosh. hey, you did anyway. This cast is so all star. <laughs> I know, right? It's really wild. <laughs> but that's wow, that's really really cool, especially because he's had a couple lines like just strewn about, like it just yeah. kind of pops up. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, they do they do engage in like a pretty awesome fight. Um, Spider Man finally learns that his webbing won't work on Sandman because, of course, he didn't have any webbing before, so we didn't know this. Right. Um, he has this sort of like moment of of uh, <laughs> like uh, what's the word? hubris is maybe a little too 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 strong, but he like <laughs> webs up Sandman and is like <laughs> now you can't get away. And Sandman has this great line that's like Spider tricks won't work on Sandman, and then like slips out and is like. But will sand tricks work on Spider-Man? And then I think he just like straight up punches. Like, yeah. <laughs> or no, here's what he does. He like slips out of the web and then he like slinks like in sand form underneath a bunch of I-beams and then just like blows up the pile of I-beams. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it literally rain I-beams. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, like they were just like light, like just like lightly tied webs around him. Like, were they really going to do anything? They were so flaccid. <laughs> They were just like, they were like flopping onto Sandman. I don't know what Peter was expecting. Yeah, he's like, oh, he can't move now. He like, he was so proud of it too. And it's just like, uh, he didn't, know. come on. <laughs> so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, while that's going on, this whole fight scene was happening. Uh, we cut to the Silver Spoon Cafe where uh, Harry's hanging out with the jock crowd. He's telling them, like, this story about, like, how a chauffeur, like, messed up at the toll booth or, like, got in an accident <laughs> or something. It's, like, the most, like, pretentious, like, mm-hmm. I'm a rich person story ever, um, which is totally intentional. And I and I appreciate that, like, Flash kind of, like, calls him out or it's just, like, maybe the chauffeur wasn't the problem. Like, Flash is, I feel like Flash is, like, actually aware of, like, <laughs> of, like, the, uh, the bougie problems uh, and, like, class issues and stuff. Yeah, um, well, Glory makes a comment, too, where she says, I think it's Glory, where she says, like, wow, being rich must be so hard. And yeah. Harry's like, yeah, I mean, wait, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least, like, in Glory's case, she is just teasing because um, she actually says, yeah. seems to be pretty into Harry, actually. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know, like, what, what the connection is, but she likes it. Mm-hmm. And and even though like you know Flash and Kenny like you said is kind of a kind of a bored and annoyed by it, Rand is encouraging him because he is obviously a very pure, precious person who uh, tries Rand. to bring out Protect the best Rand. in everyone, right? <laughs> At all costs, please, dear God, I don't want anything to happen to Rand. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's like my only uh, hope because I know I know what Eddie Brock will probably become. Uh, <laughs> although I will say, like the whole Montana Shocker thing, really shuffled the deck yeah 
Maybe there Rand are other will... possibities. It doesn't have to be Eddie. It maybe it'll be Rand becomes Venom. Oh my god! <laughs> oh Don't no, Monkey's Paw. <laughs> He'd be like a really, really heroic, beautiful, like shade of pink Venom <laughs> who saves the world. Okay, <laughs> sure. Anyway, he's encouraging Harry by kind of speculating that they're going to spend a lot more time together because he's pretty sure Harry's going to make the team. Um, mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, we're all friends. It's cool. It's cool. But uh, but Kenny's like, yeah, not today. So um, he decides that it's time for him and Flash and Glory to leave. And, uh, you know, being an asshole, he intentionally mm-hmm. spills his drink all over Harry. Um, but Glory is smart enough to see that Kenny is just being an asshole um, and did it on purpose. And she just breaks it off with them publicly in front of everyone. Yep. Again, apparently. <laughs> I know. Right. What are you going to break up with me again? Yeah. So we oh, kind of see that they, they probably just got a toxic relationship where they just mm-hmm. keep getting back together. I love that. She's like, what are you six years old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which like true. I mean, uh-huh. come on. <laughs> and, and to drive the knife into Kenny further, she asks Harry to take her home. Yep. So that just continues to blossom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we do cut back to the construction site because there's unfinished business there. And uh, Spider-Man manages to knock Sandman off his feet um, and sort of gain his own footing in the process. And they end up exchanging some pretty serious blows. There's this really cool moment where uh, Spider-Man's like, show me what you got. And then it's like, actually, let me show you what I've got or something to that effect. And straight up just like takes an enormous eye beam and just slams it over Sandman's head. Like it's, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, they kind of go at it for a little, little while. I mean, it's only like a couple blows each, but they're pretty, pretty severe. <laughs> and I mean, like the fact that it's gone from daylight to nighttime, like they've obviously yeah. been going at this for a long time, which yeah. is interesting. <laughs> it's like actually pretty impressive that Spider-Man's holding his own because really like Sandman is and should be a very formidable opponent to Spider-Man mm-hmm. because there's really not all that much you can do. Yeah. Um, and that's frequently how it's presented. So um, he's, he's doing a pretty good job, but you know, Sandman even says like, I could do this all day, but can you, you know? Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty sure that Spider-Man can't go much longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So after they're kind of exchanging blows, Spidey notices they are at a construction site and there actually happen to be cement trucks nearby Mm -hmm. so um after he accidentally kind of gets some on his hands which is kind of a cool moment where like he's like starting to slip because the cement is stopping his uh his spider stickiness from working oh yeah we saw that they were it's like the little i don't know if we saw this already but in this episode specifically we saw the little what do do you even call them there's a name from but like the little spider hair things yeah like he's trying to catch the football and we see that like that's that's like this version works just like the movie version which is kind Mm -hmm. of cool yeah but yeah so it's stopping his uh, his stickiness from working. So that, that kind of gives him the idea to use cement. Um, so he kind of feigns defeat in order to lead Sandman underneath one of those trucks and uh, then sets it off. So Sandman is covered in cement, which uh, just like in the last one is something that you'd think would probably kill a person. <laughs> Peter, yeah. as far as Peter knows, he just murdered somebody. But yeah, uh, he has to respirate somehow, right? No, you'd think. <laughs> um, as far as Peter knows, but yeah, so he uh, covers Sandman in cement, and he's just hardened and stuck there, and that's how he's defeated, and you know, theoretically dead. Yeah, it's pretty abrupt, and uh, yeah, dead, definitely dead. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, okay, one, I do like it 
better as a solution than just like getting him wet hasn't that been the, like what you, what he's done in the past getting him wet or su- sucking him up in a vacuum cleaner are yeah. usually the two most popular ways to defeat him so i do like it better than that at least from an effectiveness standpoint because if you think about it like yeah if you can manage to while he's in sand form sort of mix his sand form in with cement like that would theoretically <laughs> stop him but yeah like what what happens to him it, does he end up in a perpetual state of being in sand because he can't Oof. like if if he were if he were to unsandify like he would definitely die Mm-hmm. So can he survive just like in a state of petrification, I guess? I don't know. That's a real question, isn't it? <laughs> that this episode <sighs> does not answer. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. It's going to keep me up at night. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> is Sandman currently aware right now? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, this is the most I've ever thought about Sandman. <laughs> at least from this angle i guess the show did its job <laughs> yeah good job good job yeah. well later that evening uh harry returns home and i mean he shows up proud to share the news about the football team mm-hmm. but all norman sees is his like weakling little son covered in soda and holding a football ham- helmet like what are you going to a costume party or something he just like totally totally dismisses harry's success like come completely and 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 we see that in this version oh his mother is alive for one but it's just like dead-eyed sawing into her totally (laughs) unresponsive there's no response to this emotional abuse that's happening which implies that it must happen all the time they're also like sitting at that that stereotypical rich person gigantic dinner table (laughs) so like she clearly has like no emotional attachment to her family at all we could with no lines of dialogue and like 10 seconds of an appearance Mm -hmm. we can pretty clearly tell what's going on here in their relationship yeah it's (laughs) uncomfortable (laughs) yeah oh boy oh boy what a fascinating choice to have the mom alive though because i don't feel like that like ever happens in most iterations yeah that is interesting and i'm curious I i don't know if she plays much of a role but i would like to see what that could mean right right um it certainly opens up like a lot of possibilities definitely and it makes it it makes this whole situation that much more that much worse you know like the fact Mm -hmm. that norman is so abusive to harry all the time and it's just like at least if the mom was dead it would just be like oh you know that's just the person harry's living with but the fact that she's there the the fact that she's there and it's clearly doing nothing about this like yeah he even like looks at her and just like like almost expectedly and just like nothing happens. Yeah. She just saw in her meat. That's <sighs> it. <laughs> yeah. Poor Oof. Harry. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be certainly a, certainly a common utterance, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Poor We've Harry. said it like at least four times just yep. this, this, probably this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, well, you know, the ne- like Harry basically does like an under his breath, like I'll show you type of thing. So we sort of further see this like resentfulness uh, or resentment being born in, in Harry. Um, not really sure yet what that'll mean because it's all sort of directed for the most part at Norman, but with mm-hmm. some of it seeping out towards Peter, but not a lot yet. Yeah. And then the next day we see that Peter actually intentionally biffs his performance. I would like to think, sort of inspired by his realization of how to beat 
Sandman. You know, he says, like, hmm. I got to take a dive, like, literally. Oh, I didn't catch on to that. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And then the next day, like, I don't know if it's a they don't really explore this as much as I think they could have this idea that like Peter's pride and determination to prove himself was sort of getting in the way of defeating Sandman. And it's also been getting in the way of his relationships. Right. So like his pursuing the contest at the daily bugle, um, his need to be Spider-Man and to protect people. And then also his clearly competitive spirit in the football tryouts has been alienating people. And then, realizing that sometimes strength and pride is detrimental, I think informs his decision to totally just Mm. like forget about taking the tryout seriously um, and giving other people their chance. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Actually. It's, it's interesting that that's not really called out. Cause I feel like, I mean, this show I think is to this point is done like it steams pretty well, but they'll mm-hmm. usually they'll usually call attention to it a little bit somehow at the end. But this one doesn't really. You just kind of have to kind of infer like what 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 Peter's thought process is throughout. Yeah, it Yeah, they don't really shine a light in the way that they have in previous ones. Yeah, which is really interesting. But you know, mm-hmm. I but obvi- they're obviously doing it intentionally. So it is. It's interesting that they're kind of like i don't i and and i literally don't remember like how much is is spelled out going forward thematically so i Mm -hmm. wonder if it's a case where it's sort of like kind of phasing that out where it's sort of like you guys are smart enough to catch on what we're doing right (laughs) yeah now that we've kind of shown you what we're about we're gonna let you take the reins a little bit more on the on the interpretation aspect right right i'll be curious to see going forward how often that happens where they don't spell it out yeah hmm yeah well as a result of Peter backing off, um, Harry does end up making the first string and Hobie is bumped up to second string making the team. Um, and we get this this little um, it's internal, I believe. I don't think he's saying it out loud, but uh, basically Peter says, if I wanted all the glory, I wouldn't wear a mask, which is, I think, just to tell us like he's learned a good lesson about pride and praise and what it means to be selfless and do things for other people. Um, without needing any sort of recognition mm-hmm. it's a good lesson to learn as a superhero especially uh, one with a secret identity <laughs> yes it is yeah it definitely is and then he uh gwen's there and gives him ice cream which is sweet yeah they eat ice cream together on the bench yeah yeah and then the spider-man face in the sky turns into into a football which is dumb but hey. <laughs> <laughs> it is you're right (laughs) (laughs) like sorry guys um i'm not on board but okay a little too cute (laughs) uh yeah it would have been it would have been too much for me to even have the spider signal in the sky uh i don't i don't know why they even do that um but yeah it's like uh it's even a degree further to change it into a football yeah i look forward to it eventually turning into a heart and maybe turning into i don't even know what else it could be but other things maybe yeah oh god they start like a whole trend where it's just like every everything they have like he fought the rhino it's gonna turn into a rhino horn it's christmas it's gonna turn into a christmas tree no (laughs) it'd be terrible it'd be the worst running thing oh no Uh. oh boy well faces of this episode we got a few of them this time there's a guy outside (laughs) 
of the uh, the auto shop that's like a, uh-huh. a, 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 a a front for the big man's headquarters or whatever. Okay, I it's Mr. Frump. It's just Mr. Frump. Like yeah. we know from the description of the Mr. Frump episode of Amazing Friends that he was apparently homeless. Yeah, he's a homeless guy, and he doesn't look very happy, and he is clearly Mr. Frump. Yeah, so, it's very. Uh, it, if if you if you told these artists to draw Mr. Frump in their style, this is this is exactly what the product would be. Uh huh. And I think this is the version of him where he remembers his oh, reality God. warping powers, and he's mad about it that he lost them. Oh no, he lives his entire life just like knowing what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh mm. no. Mm. Oh god. Mm. He's so angry. I know. What happened to Mabel? Oh no. <laughs> oh, what if he actually did have a cat? Then it would be so obvious like that it's an homage. <laughs> oh, I'd be so proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh boy. Anyway, an actual, like, funny face is um, there's just, like, a brief moment during the football tryouts. Um, everybody's cheering on, like, Harry and Peter being successful and Sally, of course, just being, like, a terrible person. She's mad about it happening. It's just a hilariously <laughs> drawn face when she turns. Uh, she's so it's just, pouty. Like, it's super pouty. It's, like, extra cartoony. Like, her eyes are extra big. Her mm-hmm. lips are extra plump. It's just, like... It's 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 great. It's just yeah. It's, just, it's yeah. very good. It's yeah. very very good. <laughs> uh, and then I shared one with you that I guess we should share with everybody else. That's Please. really not fair as a face of the episode. <laughs> like, it's good though. It's it it's just great. it's it was a totally incidental pause. I paused to write a note and then looked back at my screen and like it just it. <laughs> I couldn't believe what had happened on my screen. It's it's Hammerhead. And he's wearing sunglasses, which he occasionally does, um, but not all the time. He doesn't always wear sunglasses. So this just happened to be a moment. And he's in the middle of talking. So that's why I say it's not totally fair. But uh, I paused it on a moment where he's talking, has his sunglasses on, and his mouth is just open. And it looks like he he kind of looks like somebody who might have just told a joke that nobody laughed at. And he's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, Ega, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly what uh, what to put onto this image as an explanation, but uh, I just couldn't stop laughing at it when I was looking at it. So I will share it with you all. Yes, it's good. It's very good. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's so good doofy (laughs) (laughs) oh Uh, man so good yeah so what are your feelings on this one compared to what we've seen so far um i would say that between the two i i like the second one probably more. like i enjoyed the second one more i think just watching it sure like i just had better feelings watching it i think that hmm I don't know that one is necessarily especially tighter than the other. Uh, maybe the second one, although it's tough because they don't they don't spell things out as clearly. Yeah, it's hard because all all the episodes outside of the pilot, which was kind of its own thing, have been really tightly written. Even if they're structured differently, they've all been like that's been the strength of the show in general is how tightly written it all is, and like when there's multiple storylines, they're all like thematically relevant to each other. And right. Everything. So neither of these like unravels at any point. Like they're still just as coherent, just as, you know, uh, just as effective at driving the overall plot. Yeah. I think. So I guess like if I'm going to think of them as foreground and background, I think I liked the background of what was going on in the first one better because it's it's going to further inform 
stuff looking forward, but I probably liked the foreground of the second one better. Like I just enjoyed the Flint Marco stuff and the Sandman stuff better than I did the Shocker stuff. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think Sandman is incredibly like well rendered and well utilized and his power set is like just really well done and well used. Yeah. It's a cool um, take. It's a really cool take, and I think it's pretty indicative of, like, the type of action that the show mm-hmm. is able to pull off and, like, how creative everyone is as they're thinking through these action sequences. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, it's just, like, kind of continuing on the same trajectory that the show's been on, where it just – every character is really well handled and fleshed out, and all these storylines are so well entwined. I mean, it's exactly why I, like, like this show so much as, as it stands, but it's it makes it so much more fun to go into it – um, the way that we do, like beat by beat, and mm-hmm. seeing like how this just it's just so well written. Like there's just like yeah. no holes in it. It's 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 just amazing, especially compared to the to the stuff that we've covered up to this point. Yeah, well, I like the world that they have established. I like the world that they have built because when it comes to a property that's so well known, you could go one of two ways, right? Like you could rely on what's worked and and things that are familiar and just basically taken an already established world and build inside of that but they haven't really done that they've sort of taken familiar properties and built their own world yeah and that makes things less predictable they threw a curveball with the montana shocker thing that really has my mind sort of going places i wouldn't have expected you know i already alluded to the fact that venom doesn't have to be eddie and hasn't always been eddie and won't always be eddie right. and there are other characters in the show that very easily could end up filling that role do i expect that to be the case no but now i'm open to that being the case and that makes that makes moving forward even more exciting than it was before mm-hmm. yeah uh, I'm excited for you to see more. Oh my god, yeah. this, I love this show so much. Yeah, and that doesn't just <laughs> apply to Eddie. Certainly, like that's just one example because I've been calling him this sort of like pure beam of light human being, <laughs> and so we've been wondering kind of how that goes. But it could really apply to to any character. Um, you know, we still don't technically know who the big man is, and I gave a prediction as to who I thought the big man would be. Um, but knowing that they're willing to throw curveballs and tweak characters and play with our expectations. And knowing what I know about the people who have voiced him thus far, like there's a lot of directions that that could go that I'm not expecting because I'm sort of putting <laughs> putting this this mysterious <laughs> character into a box based solely on his nickname. Right. Big man could be Mary Jane with a voice changer. You don't know. <laughs> okay, Maybe they'll yeah, find definitely. a way to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> he does have quite the personality, so... <laughs> A wonderful personality, you might say. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I, you know, I, I feel like I say it every time, but I'm just very excited. I'm very excited moving forward. Oh, God. I love this show so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. Like, this is the type of show that I would recommend to somebody, even if they, like, like, okay, so Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, right? is a show that I would only recommend to a very small slice of people. <laughs> yeah. And there are so many prerequisites for for getting that recommendation where it's like, okay, do you like Spider-Man? Do you like things that are weird? Do you already have a sort of established knowledge of this universe? Because they don't explain a whole lot. You know what I mean? Like there's all yeah. these, these boxes that need to be checked before I would recommend anybody watch that show. Definitely. This one, though, I feel like you could recommend this to people who are – just you know they they like a good cartoon that has a story or they like superheroes but maybe they've never been into spider-man before like you don't really need to check too many of the boxes because they do such a good job 
creating intrigue and stringing stories together that even if you didn't have an emotional investment in Spider-Man, I still think this would be a very entertaining show for lots of people. Definitely. I 100% agree. So, yeah. Watch this show, everybody. Please. If you haven't been watching with us, like, what the heck? Oh, my God. I know. It's so worth it. You're going to love it. It's free. I know. I know. It's free. And you can just, like, binge all of it, even beyond. (laughs) Beyond what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then... (laughs) Oh, man. Well, 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 if we'd like to hear more from you. Yeah, I've been tweeting you? about Spider-Man stuff lately. Yeah, I'll be you watching have. all those movies just because I feel like it. Yeah. Where can we find you? Well, you can find those tweets on Twitter where one finds tweets. <laughs> but for me specifically, at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. Um, and if you are into Pokemon stuff, you can also find me on a podcast called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network. Cool, cool, cool. You can also find me wherever you find tweets, which I think is only <laughs> on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. Uh, lots of takes on things that are usually weird and stupid but it's fine uh we have fun (laughs) how specific (laughs) (laughs) Um, like uh stuff and things and and uh i have opinions sometimes yeah yeah and i tweet i tweet thoughts that i have sometimes i know weird right (laughs) and like funny snarky comments to things no one ever does that right Um, <laughs> you can find me there. You can also find me on YouTube. Um, I have a show that it's, I've decided it's currently on hiatus, but it will be back for a second season in the next uh, couple of months with some, with some great stuff, but it's a show called second chance, which is a video essay series looking at movies that are usually deemed bad or divisive by like the general public or by critics. Um, but then kind of delving into either like the original intention or like why it's good or just generally anything the, to kind of give a positive look on what it's trying to do which includes spider-man 3 um in addition to some other things um but for us for our podcast we always uh tweet out and like instagram out and facebook out i don't think those are the right verbs for those but (laughs) we put post things from our podcast well if you want to see the actual images that we're talking about for the faces of our episode you can find our podcast on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod um you can also email us at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com so if you have any questions or comments um you have a lot of complaints about things that we've said or if you just want to tell us that we're great that's cool we'll accept all of it so Mm -hmm. just email us and let us know you can also send us some fan art and things like that if you'd like yeah your own faces of the episode why not yeah totally dude please do we'd love it we'll accept anything and if you'd like us we'll share it on our social media across the board and 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 if you want to talk about how great we are you can do it publicly like on itunes if you want to give us a review um or even if not if you have some uh you know uh uh, constructive criticism you can also rate us and review us um on itunes we'll we'll take it yeah maybe once we get to our patreon goal of a q a which we'll get to shortly maybe we'll read it on the air but uh yeah please rate review and subscribe to us on itunes or whatever i i uh podcast platforms you use we really helps us out um and you can also like i said support us on patreon if you want to go to patreon.com slash walloping web snappers we have a bunch of amazing perks um including participating in our walloping word snappers game that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode we obviously need some more words to submit to uh to make our podcast weirder and crazier so (laughs) please become a patron at 
whatever level you can. Um, and you'll get some perks no matter what level you're at. You can get early access. You can play that Wallpaper Word Snappers games. Uh, we have some uh, commentary episodes that we're going to be... Um, we have a, a one out right now, maybe two by the time this episode comes out. Um, and we have some coming out every month. And if we reach a goal, we will also have an uh, extra Q&A episode every month for everyone. Um, in addition to additional bonus episodes if we reach more goals. So help us reach those goals. You can get more content from us. But otherwise, next time, we will be closing out this economics arc with a big battle, and we will begin the Chemistry 101 arc in The Invisible Hand and Catalysts. Bye! Bye! sweaty right now i don't know yep happened big same (laughs) big big same oh man